0: hello and welcome back to they made another one where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself i'm one of your hosts Corey, and with me i've got liam in the words
1: of herb gentrifuckers and mitch in the words of sally hardesty say my name say my name
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah a lot of people don't know this and i've never lied so this is completely true but uh Beyonce totally ripped her off. Who came first? That's true. Sally I'm Hardesty was like 20 in 1974. Do the math. Follow the money. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We got to get to the bottom of
2: this. We got to drink. You beer buddying, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is going to be a good one, everybody. Good. I'm very I mean, no, excited. I, that one a little long. I have butterflies <laughs> for this episode. I'm so excited. Butterflies, you say. I do. In my belly. How do you feel about like sunflowers or whatever? I find them very evocative
0: when they're dead. That's true, you know. A lot of yeah. dead stuff in this movie cuz we're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I and I know what you're thinking, listener, you're thinking two things and you're smart for thinking them. One, this isn't the beginning of a season of they made another one, and you're right. But if we don't start doing them while they come out, we'll be covering them at the beginning of seasons until we die. So we're making some exceptions to fit some of this stuff in. Two, I know what you're thinking. Which one is this? Because there's a lot and we'll get get to that. But the the important clarification for you today is that this title does not feature the word the. That's -hmm. what sets it apart. And Chainsaw is,
2: is one word in this one. Yes, as it is in most of them. That's true, yeah. But not the first one with the the. So in case in case the the doesn't clench it for you, just remember the the chainsaw, and uh, it is not the original. You'll know that. Another thing to remember is electric cars weren't invented until, like, 2019.
0: Yeah, nor self-driving ones. So how else did they get here? Liam, you were the one who was big on the, the chain train, if you will. You, you picked this for us. We've obviously chain talked gang. about... Chain gang. We've obviously uh, talked about Texas Chainsaw at length. At least three times. At least three times it's for multiple first. hours every time. That's not true. That's
1: not true. <laughs> That's true. No. I wasn't in for the other one. It's true. I didn't Texas make Chainsaw
0: it. Massacre 2.
1: Oh, shit.
0: <laughs> and also, we've done two other
1: ones it's completely forgot
2: about that but you're right one. I meant, never she, you lied. weren't there for the other two but yeah, yeah, yeah you were there for that one I've never lied yeah
1: I told you this fuck this is humiliating keep going so
0: we've all talked at length about Texas Chainsaw Massacre but even so Liam I do have to ask you one
2: particular question which is why did you pick this movie the big reason, Corey, is I was just really excited to watch it. Um, I would have watched it this weekend that it came out, regardless if we were doing an episode. But um, I figured might as well strike while the iron's hot. People are talking about this, so we might as well put it out just a couple weeks after it came out. Um, I also had the thought that you already said, if, if we just continue relegating Texas Chainsaw Movies to just the first episode of the season, then... then uh, They'll come out faster than we can cover them, and we will never catch up. Um, but rest assured, everyone, the plan is still for us to do another Texas Chainsaw at the at the beginning of next season. But I was we just are really nowhere near out of them. Yeah, no, we're we're, we're fine. Yeah, <laughs> and um, on top of that, since our last Texas Chainsaw episode, which would have been July August, Corey, is that when we start the seasons normally? Oh, uh, July. Yeah, we started July July. when we covered Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with Mitch. Um, I've I've filled out my Texas Chainsaw knowledge. I've seen the last couple that I hadn't seen before. And I have come to the conclusion that this is, um, I think, the most consistent horror franchise out there. For me, at least, It, it would be up there with like Child's Play. I think Child's Play is really consistent, but I'm not super big on Seed of Chucky. And Do you to mean me consistent in terms of quality? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, for me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise doesn't actually have a, a seed of Chucky in it. Um, people will tell you that it does, but Corey and I are on record, literally on record. You can buy the episode on vinyl. I've never uh, we, lied. We did an episode on The Next Generation, often the most maligned installment in the texas chainsaw franchise and Corey and i both unironically wholeheartedly loved it and i have found that that's carried on basically to all of the movies like i think even my least favorite texas chainsaw movie would be a seven out of ten so I've, i've really grown to love this franchise and so i was just really excited to uh check out this new one and talk about it with you guys and um after seeing the movie and knowing you guys have seen it my enthusiasm is still way up there so If you're listening to this episode and you haven't seen the movie, we're going to spoil it. Um, Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. And uh, I would also suggest you watch it, not just so you don't get spoiled, but so you can totally partake in the fun of this conversation. Because whether or not you like it, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. So get caught up if you would like to. And uh, this is going to be fun. I'm very excited. Also, if you haven't watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the
0: Next Generation and you're looking for a particular detail to sell you on it, what if I told you that Matthew McConaughey had a bionic leg and it's controlled by universal television remotes and when one of them doesn't work, he just pulls out a big drawer that's full of remotes and he keeps trying new ones until his leg starts to work. <laughs> All,
2: right. All right, Corey, but don't send everyone away from this episode right away. Give us one of those for Texas Chainsaw 22 in case someone hasn't seen it do it this is the shot and then that's the chaser
0: so what i would say for this one is um how about this if you thought the poster for this movie was hilarious the one in the
2: sunflower field
0: rest assured that's in the movie that's true you can see that and laugh all over again or if you're really into people's bones breaking there's a lot of that.
1: Yeah, there is.
0: If you've always thought that Leatherface should be
1: canceled,
0: that happens. If you want them live well, stream too. Yeah, on face on like Facebook Live. Yeah. And there's one guy in the chat who's like, where is this? I want to go there. As if people aren't being murdered. Oh well, this is fake. <laughs> <laughs> fake news. Um All of these things are here. Uh Mitch, if if you could be so kind. Um, Could you just uh, give a quick sense of your um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre feelings generally and sort of what your vibe was heading into this? Not anything about it specifically, but just, you know,
1: setting up. Well, apparently I have amnesia because I forgot that we did the second one on the show, but we did do it and uh, I didn't have that many nice things to say about the second one. Um, Which people people love generally. I think it's it's kind of a mixed bag. The people I follow on the internet love it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people love it. People love it now. Um, I think when it came out, it, it got like ripped, a new I one.
0: Didn't, I, I didn't ask Roger Ebert what he thought.
1: Yeah, I can't remember who said it, but somebody said that it sounded like uh, it was as though it was made by somebody who had never like seen the first movie, which is funny because it's by Toby Hooper.
0: I thought it was really weird when that one review said that it was the filmic equivalent of one hand clapping.
2: <laughs> that's good i think i think texas chainsaw 2 might be the one that roger ebert called a geek show he liked that term and i think i think he applied it to i don't that even know movie. what that means that's the, it, mean. I, I, I think it just means it's it's for fucking geeks yeah you <laughs> want to go there fucking
1: the... nerd orgy this one fuck you, you like this movie you won't get fucking lit um, this
0: movie according to roger ebert is quote a pile of doo-doo ass for baby <laughs>
1: And I've never lied. Is kind of stinky. Um. Anyway, he so said that he did. That was all his words. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so Texas Chainsaw. I I watched the original movie when I was pretty young, probably too young. I remember seeing Texas Chainsaw: A New Beginning, like around when it came out, and it came out in like '06. So I would have been. I think I might have watched it like a year or two later. So I would have been like maybe like 11 um yeah somewhere around there and i remember seeing that and it really fucked me up yeah um, that
2: one's that one's dark that might be like the gnarliest of them all just in yeah, terms of one. total total <laughs> a, tone i that mean the a geek fest <laughs> don't <they? laughs> like the first movie is obviously <laughs> terrifying but like i think for a modern day kid um the, the 2006 one oh. would, would get them hard because it's just like overwhelming and dark and, you know, you can tell.
1: Yeah, and it, it sort of painstakingly like shows you like Leatherface's sort of upbringing and like birth and yeah, not a good time. um So, and then I've seen like the original and then this one. So uh, this is like my fourth Texas Chainsaw movie. I like them. um I probably like the original the best. They're like good fun. I'm always like down for like you know a, a chainsaw horror movie gets like gets my heart up, gets me like scared. <laughs> um, it's the equivalent of of spinning. It is an adrenaline. Actually, I watched this movie while spinning, and it was too much. I thought I was gonna die. I got um, palpitations.
2: Yeah. What about you, Corey? Texas chainsaw is weird, man. Um, it's... How can a chainsaw be Texan? It never they're answers. Not, any they're questions. not often
1: built there. Like, um, is there much of a demand for like the forestry industry in Texas? I'm just like wondering. I you mean, can chain. <laughs> no chainsaws definitely have a utility. Yeah.
0: Yeah, murder. We've seen that. Um, I think for me, um, it's interesting because that first movie is so, um, just like unimpeachably good, but also so specifically like of a particular cultural moment Mm -hmm. that it feels like it really signifies all of those things in a really particular way um like the gritty despondent like dusty gross environment feels very of that like mid-70s nom everything's kind of fucked feeling um and as they've gone on, despite my liking some of them since, I can't tell that I know what they're trying to do with it anymore. So I always go in. And I'm just like, what, what, what's up? What's what's this one going to be? Right? Because like, Texas Chainsaw Two is such a huge departure. But again, I think for like a very specific cultural reason that like Kim Hankel was trying to send up very specific 80s things but then like when you get to like Texas Chainsaw 3D and it's it's very ambiguous in a lot of ways and it's a lot kind of cleaner and and more polished but also it loses a lot of the interest and you don't totally know what's going on with Leatherface like the the familial connections get kind of wonky um and uh the next generation is great but it's also just kind of like a weird retread i've learned it's like it's 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 a retread in some ways and then what if we made it like eight times more insane uh which i respect right because you saw that one before you saw the original right i did and then i learned that a lot of the stuff that i really liked in it was very specific callbacks to the first movie and i did not know that at the time but I still like that movie, but I guess what I mean in a general sense is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like very enigmatic to me because it feels like people want to do stuff with it, but they don't, nobody can decide what that thing should be. Mm-hmm. So the Jeff, time, Hardy it's the Jeff Hardy of uh, movie franchise, Jeff Hardy of movie franchise. So every time you get back to it, it's, it's like a mixed, it's like a, it's like a surprise bag.
2: Yeah. That's fair, yeah. And that, that might be why I've, uh, I've liked watching it so much. I think um, it's so unique the way this mo- this franchise deals with continuity. And you can sort of um, argue about where the continuity ends and, and starts. But to my eye, it seems like basically every installment after the second one um, is a sequel to the first movie. And I mean, I guess the second one would be a sequel to the first movie, too. It seems like all of them are basically reboots, barring the one that Mitch said he's seen, The Beginning, which is a prequel to the 2003 remake. And obviously that 2003 remake is a remake of the original. But besides that, it's like the third one um, is basically a sequel to the first one. It sort of acknowledges the other two in a roundabout way as the fourth one does. But they basically feel like it's just a reboot or a remake of the first one Texas Chainsaw 3d does the same thing. And so where a lot of franchises like have these bits of continuity that go for a while and then stop, um, like Halloween or, uh, nightmare on Elm street doesn't re- really have a whole lot of continuity. It, it starts going and then, um, it sort of just feels like, um, the the main story ends and then begins like the fourth and fifth are their own thing and then the sixth happens and then the seventh is like a meta telling of the anyway, Texas Chainsaw seems really unique to me because every time you go in it's sort of like I know I'm gonna get someone else's vision within this world. Sort of like an anthology series, except every installment has the writing prompt of Leatherface Dude with the chainsaw in what is ostensibly texas and so right so he's
0: he's become like that. like this mythic figure that just appears in texas yeah i think that's pretty sick and that's that's a cool thing to, to, to do
2: with a franchise that is called the texas chainsaw massacre like that title is so good you might as well just keep using it and do different things with it you know so so uh um, I think it's a really fascinating franchise. And when they said they were doing a new one a few years ago when I heard about it, I was just like, so down. I didn't care what it was about. It had the title Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so that meant it was probably going to be about a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> so I'm down.
0: <laughs> There's a high likelihood that um, somebody might get massacred with a chainsaw in Texas. <laughs> so, us um, Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I, It's interesting. I don't feel like I have a good grasp on, like, what the overall assessment of the franchise is and, like, the cultural consciousness. I just know, like, I feel like I only know specific people's opinions about it, right? Like, I don't feel like it's something yeah. it's talked about a lot now, despite the fact that they have made five of them since 2003.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that, that's totally fair. I think... um a lot of them are just like buried to the, to the mainstream. Um, like Texas Chainsaw 3 came and went without leaving a big impression. And then the fourth one, you know, we talked about how it was filmed back in like 1994, I think, and released very briefly on a couple screens and then shelved and then released again later. Didn't make much money. Um, so by that point, you have two installments that uh, have not captured the the public the way that the first movie did i think from what i've read even the second one wasn't quite able to to capture the 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 fervor and um maybe even the box office that that first one did and so i think the mainstream kind of thinks that these movies either aren't going anymore or uh they're not worth looking at and then um yeah it says here that texas chainsaw was done texas chainsaw 2 was done on a budget of 4.5 million and grossed 8 million um and then from horror fans i know like deep horror fans i mostly hear that the franchise is a huge mixed bag with like massive lows and basically not any highs that reach the first one i think it's one of those cases sort of like the halloween franchise where the first one is so universally loved you know it's it's in the conversation with like greatest horror movies of all time most people say that halloween and texas chainsaw massacre and so beyond that point you're sort of destined to fail and um a lot of people think that the franchise has failed like next generation um there I, i've heard many um people who hate that movie are cowards fans who fans who hate, i've heard many cowards who hate that movie <laughs> um i've heard many fucking idiots say that they <laughs> hate that movie um and uh a lot of people love the remake the 2003 remake so that's awesome like uh the 2003 make yeah yeah um a lot of like older fans who were kids during the 80s love it and a lot of people like from our generation and a bit older like people in their 30s really love that 2003 remake so i think actually those are the two big ones is that original and the 2003 one brought to us um, by
0: michael bay
2: (laughs) that's right yeah yeah platinum Dunes. um so that'll be fun to talk about, and also uh, Texas Chainsaw. I think the the slasher villain behind it, Leatherface, just never quite caught on the way that Jason, Michael, um, Freddy, and like even like Ghostface from the Scream movies as an image, never quite caught on in the. In the wide um, acceptance where like kids are pretending to be Leatherface or kids are scared by Leatherface, I think just because the movies um, have a lot going against them when they're all titled Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. like that builds such a mystique around these movies that parents aren't going to let their kids watch them. And so these kids uh, are watching stuff like Halloween scream. Um, Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street all of that sounds a bit more accessible whereas Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> sounds so much it's so direct and dirty and uh, and and the, the slasher himself Leatherface if you even want to call him a slasher I know a lot of people don't think that these yeah. movies are the would first say, one are slashers I would mm-hmm. say he doesn't really he is only part
0: of the conversation that includes like Freddy Jason Ghostface whatever because it's it's like a convenient categorization but I don't know if it's an accurate one I agree sure. like yeah, I don't think yeah. the character works in the way that those characters work at all
1: yeah this this their first movie feels more like a an exploitation film than like exactly yeah anything else yeah
0: well and then everything since like even if you look at next generation like Leatherface isn't even like the
2: antagonist of that really mm. <laughs> like. that's true. Yeah, it's it's more of like this weird family, family, (laughs) Um, and yeah. So it it's it never quite took off into the stratosphere the way these other movies Mm. did. Even Child's Play, you know, you'll see a Chucky doll in in all these stores. So Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. I think in a lot of ways as a villain too, Leatherface is kind of like a blank canvas, Um, whereas like the other characters like Freddy or Jason or. have like more like sticks and calling cards and like leatherface certainly has like motives like he is defensive of his family and he's like a cannibal and he likes to kill people with a chainsaw but he hasn't been a cannibal in a while they got gonna make that no, duty some stuff no but like like in the <laughs> i mean like
3: he
0: is he's a character a thin in this movie
1: he's a character who's um i guess like a, like a canvas sort of like ripe for potential or like projecting allegory or or whatever you want i think like the other characters already have like They're kind of like stick, but I think Leatherface, there's a lot more freedom with that character. What I wouldn't
0: give for a movie that makes Leatherface say, Now you're playing with power, bitch, and then slam somebody's head into a television.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be good. Um, uh, I, don't but remember, yeah,
0: I, I don't remember which nightmare movie that is, but it's good. I think that's it's uh
2: Freddy's Revenge, I think. That's Four? six. Six. Like they, they, yeah, they go I was deep. way off. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him saying stuff like that in the other ones, but I think it took until six until you until actually they really like went the off the deep end. Blood.
0: Oh, I think I was confusing it because the head smash is three, but the yep. line is from later.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah. In in the head smash, the TV. He just says, "Welcome to primetime, bitch." He does. That is what he says. Yeah. God, that movie's good, huh? It is a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and we we um, should do
0: that one. Uh,
2: Dream world. I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, Leatherface. He's just. I think Mitch's point is cool. Um. But also, <laughs> he's got and, and totally like totally. Uh. Leatherface he's just like also just got this weird look to him that's not super marketable. Like mm-hmm. Chucky is a doll, so even the version of Chucky with the scars, it is very marketable. Um Jason and Michael Myers both have blank masks on. Uh you know, obviously the hockey mask. yeah Freddy's Ghost a sweater face. and a
0: glove. Yeah, yeah, like-
2: yeah. And Ghostface very blank mask as well, but Leatherface, the fact that the mask is him wearing someone else's face that's tough to market um and, and chainsaws so,
0: are sold in most stores that's true but so you, you won't see leatherface's <laughs> face on any of
2: them it seems like easy cross promotion
0: <laughs> like so like steel yeah. comes out with like a halloween deal where they've etched leatherface into a chainsaw blade <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. funny that your point about like Leatherface being marketable because like in this movie, like they're like the gas station clerk seems to think that uh, Leatherface and Chainsaw Massacres are pretty damn marketable. That's why there's t-shirts and That's true. paraphernalia yeah. corkscrews. and corkscrews. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that is fun. And you don't need for champagne, you dumb fucking idiot. <laughs> and oh, maybe you. you'll see stuff like that in Texas. Maybe they embrace the uh, the leather face thing. Like when you go to Coney Island and you see a bunch of uh, Warriors vests. But, you know, I don't see that in... <laughs>
0: when you go to Coney Island, everybody's Spencer's walking around clicking
2: things. bottles together, asking where you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Warriors. Come I think I was, was going to say one more thing. Let me think.
0: Well, what I was going to do is I was going to have you... Uh, Set the scene for what we are watching today with a little
2: cast and crew action, if you would like. Oh, Corey! I mean, if you're asking, I will. I'll just kind of, I'll kind of do this off the fly here. But since you're so, so no nice prep. to ask, director David Blue Garcia was <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, happily. Okay, very good. So, um, I'll start At the with beginning th- of time. <laughs> Long
1: so, ago, in a dank cave. there There was there was grandpa set there were shadows (laughs) and they thought the shadows were real
0: (laughs) now as we all know leatherface his most iconic line is a recitation of plato's allegory of the cave (laughs) 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 he's so hard to market because you can't fit plato's allegory of the cave on a chainsaw blade too intellectual otherwise you know they'd be selling like fucking hotcakes Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) More like Plato's allegory of the blade, am I right?
2: Very nice. Very nice. (laughs) So uh, Texas Chainsaw 22, the director, it was actually meant to be um, people who it didn't end up being. The original directors were these guys named Andy and Ryan Toehill. And they, they shot footage for this movie, and they cast it and everything. They were doing work on it. Um, they had done a movie prior called The Dig. You guys heard of The Dig? No. No, I don't know the dig either, but apparently it was enough to get him the job. Twenty eighteen, um, and so they w- they were hired on to do this movie, and then they it says they left over creative differences. So during shooting, we had a director join who who saw it through to the end, and that was David Blue Garcia. Um, David Blue Garcia, he really needs no introduction um, because there isn't <laughs> there isn't really much of one to give him. His his only other directing credit was in twenty eighteen. He did a movie called Tajano. And uh, this was a Texas-based movie. It actually sounds pretty cool. He is—he is from Texas himself, this director. And this movie, the 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 logline was: desperate for money to save his sick grandfather, a South Texas farmhand resorts to the extreme. He breaks his own arm to smuggle a cast made of cocaine across the Mexican border. I'd watch like that. Jesus Christ, that sounds cool, hey? I'd watch yeah. that. This so-
1: hopefully like, the, doesn't like break and absorb into his skin, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or so if it did that would be
2: a pretty cool way to get high
1: <laughs> you could definitely fight like whatever they <laughs> throw at him
2: yeah maybe that's how the movie goes i don't know i uh, hope so I, I might have to check it out but that was his only other feature other than that he was the cinematographer on some shorts um he what was cine- uh Sorry. no <laughs> He was the cinematographer on a few movies that like have very few ratings on IMDb and, and don't even have uh, MPAA, a? MPAA ratings, um, but he was also the cinematographer on a movie from 2018 called Bloodfest that made a bit of a splash in the horror community. It's kind of a, a fun meta horror film. Um, but yes, this is his only set his second time at bat for a feature directing job, so... So that's cool to keep in mind. The screenplay is by Chris Thomas Devlin. Um this guy this is so far his only uh released feature film credit. He wrote that's a script. Crazy. Yeah. He he wrote a the reason he got a job it seems is he wrote a script in 2018. Uh, a spec script you know he just did it which is really cool um for a, an upcoming horror movie it's gonna come out so i think it's already been shot if not it's been cast and everything um lizzie kaplan is in it um the movie is called cobweb and it's produced by cory seth rogan and evan goldberg the super bad boys okay so that'll be cool. I know they're doing a lot of producing work lately. Like they produce the TV show Preacher. Yeah. Um, they have
0: a Ninja Turtles movie coming in yeah, next year, I think.
2: Yeah. So they're doing a lot of work, but that does sound a, a, sort of get me interested. Um, other than that, he's done shorts. He sold a script to Lionsgate um, recently called Video Nasty. So that's uh, we'll probably be seeing more of this dude, but this is his only uh, released film so far. And the story um, that he wrote the screenplay on, that story was by uh, some f- perhaps familiar names to you guys, uh, definitely to Corey, Fidi Alvarez and Rodo Siagas. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the these don't breathe, boys. That's right. They're like creative partners. Um, Fide Alvarez, he directed the Evil Dead uh, movie from 2013, just called Evil Dead. No, the on that one either. That's sort of his move um he he also directed he directed don't breathe again not the don't breathe so this is the (laughs) pattern with this guy um but then he broke that pattern by directing the girl in the spider's web um he put both of them in there otherwise the (laughs) title wouldn't have made any sense yeah do you got any thoughts on this guy mitch do you know any of this stuff no
1: no video nasty sounds familiar i feel like i've like read about that project somewhere because i'm like interested in like like older videos nasty nasties.
0: videos you fucking gross man no
1: no like like the like the Ew. Sort of, like the, the wave of paranoia in like the 80s with like <laughs> really controversial movies
2: yeah in that case mitch i got a suggestion for you it's on shutter it's called sensor and oh. it came out last year, and it takes place in the 80s in Britain. Um, the main character is a woman who like works at the mm-hmm. a censorship board to declare things as video nasties. And it's a really cool horror mystery movie.
1: Interesting. That's a really cool like framework for a horror movie. A lot, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely going to see that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, yes, also, this.
0: sorry, if I yeah. could just say quick, uh, Don't Breathe is fucking awesome. If people yeah. haven't seen that yet for some reason... I don't know what you're doing, but like that movie's great. Yes.
2: I I love it as well. Um so Fede for me. He wrote and directed that movie. Um and uh Rodo helped him write it, also wrote Evil Dead with, with uh Alvarez. And Rodo Siagez also directed Don't Breathe Two, which was um, written by him and Fide Alvarez, which I've been dying to see. I haven't fired it yet, but I think that one is coming. Near in my future um don't breathe too um this movie was produced by many people but i'll I'll just say one of them here is produced in part by kim henkel and that is the uh co-writer with toby hooper of the original movie and he also directed possibly the greatest movie of all time the texas chainsaw massacre the next generation um possibly but of
1: all the best movie of all time Quite possibly. Wait, po- quite possibly.
2: It's kind of the
0: Citizen Kane of movies. All right, keep going.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, he has he has a producing credit here, which is cool. You know what that means. You know, no, it's 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 tough to say. Could could be nothing. Could just be he signed a paper. Could be they asked him questions and he he gave them some answers, which would, would be really cool if he had some input on this movie. Um, I would be curious to read an interview with him or something about that. So hopefully that comes out. Um, the movie was edited by Christopher S. Cap. He has edited a whole lot of movies. Those editors, they work fast. If, if this TMAO show has taught you guys anything, editors get a lot of credits. Some of this guy's credits are The Hunger Games. Uh, just the first one, it seems. Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. I was thinking you might that's know sick. about that, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Is, is Final Fantasy, that's like related to Kingdom Hearts, right? Um,
0: the other way around. So there's Final Fantasy stuff in Kingdom Hearts, but Final Fantasy was was very much first. Cool. Um, but yeah, Kingdom Hearts is what if you put Disney stuff and Final Fantasy stuff and some original stuff all in the same thing.
2: That's very cool. Essentially. I didn't know that's what it was. Too much of a geek
1: fest for me.
2: Yeah, sounds like a geek show. If you want to watch a guy
0: who's best friends with Goofy and Donald Duck talk to Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII and also go to, like, Tron World. That's your game.
1: Yeah, total geek show. Speaking of Goofy...
2: No, okay. Um, Speaking of fucking geek show. <laughs> no, I'll stay on track here. Just um, for us, <laughs> Cap, he also voiced, as in voice acted, this dude is a man of many hats, he voice acted... <laughs> parrot in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies he was the voice of a parrot in a bunch of those movies what the oh, heck? Is, the, is there a parrot in them yeah and he talks yeah parrots can't or, do that or may, maybe they can in these movies get I them. haven't seen them all but also maybe he just did the squawks maybe he's a really good squawker dude birds are so expensive to hire like for your set that just
0: animate the bird and get a guy to do it yeah so he's the guy, Christopher
2: S. Gap is the you parrot could say, man in Hollywood. No you cap. Could say he's
1: the real Macaw.
2: Stop. <laughs> he's the real Macaw, no cap. That was good, Corey. I'll acknowledge the both of you. Thank you. Um, the cinematographer of this movie is Ricardo Diaz. I, I wasn't able to see anything I recognized here. Um, there was a number of movies, but none of them jumped out at me um, as things I've either seen. Of which you know, I've only seen a handful of movies in the world, but I've heard of a lot of movies. I hadn't heard of any of these, but I discovered that one of the movies he did, Butcher Boys in 2012, was <laughs> co-written by Kim Henkel. So, Kim. maybe that's the connection. Maybe that's the you know the Kim action. F- further evidence that that Kim had some Kim actions making this movie, and maybe he uh, suggested Ricardo. I don't know, um, but yeah. He, other than that, like he's he's the done the cinematography for a lot of docs and uh as in documentaries and a lot of other movies so no spring chicken i am just not familiar with ricardo diaz's work um the music is by colin stetson i think you guys will find this interesting Colin much like Stetson, the that they wear in texas <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's one of those guys much like mark webb that was hired because of his name but <laughs> actually puts in pretty good work
0: is there a um, guy named mark webb making spider-man movies he is that did, what you
2: mean? yeah. He did the Amazing Spider Man and the Amazing Spider Man. Oh, that's 2, funny. Andrew Garfield <laughs> once. Um, so Colin Stetson, he's as uh, according to Wikipedia, he is a saxophonist, a malt and a multi readist so I guess he's real good with the, them reed instruments. Um, he's a composer. He's based in Montreal. He's from America, but based in Montreal, which is kind of close to us. So that's fun. Maybe, Colin, you want to meet up for Hang a up. coffee? We would be yeah. happy to. Do you want to um, go to Krispy Kreme? Yes. I bet he mains <laughs> Krispy Kreme. <laughs> he mains Krispy Kreme. That's like, his main. He goes out of his way. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't have to go out of his way, man. He lives in Montreal. <laughs> that place isn't that small. He might be going out of this way. Fair enough, yeah. I don't want to undersell Colin's efforts for Krispy Kreme. But
0: now I'm imagining somebody who lives in, like, Laval that drives to Krispy Kreme in Montreal every day.
2: (laughs) Maybe, like, dude, he, like, you know, I would imagine he makes pretty good money doing the music thing, saxophonists and stuff. But what if he's just like, nah, the reason he lives in Montreal is is because there was an apartment available right above a Krispy Kreme. He was back at it again. And he just decides to go at it. Well, because he couldn't go anymore because he didn't live in America, but now he's back at it again at the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> that's exactly right. Colin, we love you, buddy. Um, he recorded, uh, he's recorded with a bunch of bands. So that's really cool, like on their albums and stuff. He's recorded with Arcade Fire, TV on the radio, David Byrne. Ooh, Corey, you like that guy? Woo! Um, and he's also composed for movies, really cool movies too. When I saw, when I was going through his Wikipedia page and, you know, was finding out that he's been featured, uh, on a bunch of bands records, um, I thought maybe that was his thing and they plucked him out in order to do Texas Chainsaw 22. I thought so cool. They gave him a break, but no, this dude has a fine track record in films. He's composed for 12 years, a slave. This is just to name a few guys, 12 years, a slave. Color Out of Space, which is okay. a really cool H.P. Uh, Lovecraft-type movie, and possibly the greatest movie of all time, Hereditary. Oh, no shit? Yeah. Isn't that cool? So he gets around. Does get around. Hereditary to Texas Chainsaw 22. It, could he possibly be doing two of the greatest movies of all time? We'll find out. Um, and now could I'll he be doing to- the Citizen Kane of soundtracks? Yeah. <laughs> uh now i'll move on to cast and I'll, I'll run through these uh well i can't see into the future it might be quick i might not um sarah <laughs> yarkin uh she plays melody and some of the films she's in are happy death day to you which is a candidate for this podcast it um, is i must have seen her in that but i didn't recognize her and other than that she's uh you know she's pretty young so she hasn't well, you can be young and be in a lot of stuff. But anyways, I don't know why I'm trying to justify her, her resume here. But I, I didn't see a whole lot of other stuff that uh, I was able to pick out. She's done a, a, quite a lot of TV shows. And many of those TV shows, she's um, in a bunch of episodes. So maybe TV watchers will recognize her. And she's also done um, voice work in a couple like narrative podcasts, which I find really cool. One of them is called Borsaka. And uh, it has Cole Sprouse in it. Um, I remember following along with that for a few episodes. So it's cool that she did that. Um, Another character in this movie is Lilla. And Lilla is played by Elsie Fisher. She is she's done voice work as well in the Despicable Me movies and in Adam's Family 2019, which has a sequel that is either out or going to be out. Right. So out might happen on this show i guess the fact that i don't know makes it all the more likely to be on this show um the animated adams family movies but i'm sure a lot of you will recognize her as the lead character in eighth grade by bo burnham have you guys seen that movie uh much to my shame no Mm, nothing wrong with that there's so many movies out there what about you Mitch? have you seen eighth grade uh i have what did you think of that i
1: I thought it was great i've 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 only seen that, and then I saw like the new film that he put out during the pandemic. Oh, you're right. Like inside, inside. Yeah, Yeah. and that's really it. Like I saw like his stuff on the internet, but yeah, both great movies. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I was really excited when when I learned that she was in this movie because I loved her in eighth grade, and it's also like she had done Despicable Me before that. I didn't know it at the time, but you know she wasn't just picked out of nowhere. But eighth grade, it felt like such a star making performance breakout but like also it was that or the guest performance on a game grumps video it was really (laughs) going to be one of the two things (laughs) um but her performance in eighth grade like she feels so much like a real character that i was like man i thought for sure that they had to have just picked out someone out of middle school put gave her the lines put the camera on her and then i was like there's no way she's going to be able to do any other movies because that's just her but i'm totally wrong she is an actress She had been in movies. She will be in movies. And so I was just so excited to see her in something else. But amazing performance in 8th grade. Um, And we'll talk about her here. Mark Burnham plays the guy. The non-accessible guy. Not marketable. But you all know him. Leatherfuck. Otherwise known (laughs) as Leatherface. That's Mark Burnham. Um, He's done a lot of stuff over the years but like his character roles are stuff like his names are like bulldog he plays tough cowboy he plays delivery guy <laughs> he plays a guy named lenny in the buffy the vampire series show for one episode so he's just um from what i can gather you know he's an intimidating guy these are but heavy thus far yeah he's he's mostly been in parts where it seems like he's got to look tough. He was also in a, in a pretty cool movie from 2017 called Low Life. Um, he's not wearing someone else's face in that movie. His face is visible. And he, he gets some lines in it. Um, and I liked him in that movie. But uh, it seems like a lot of these uh, quote-unquote slasher villains, when they have the mask on, you sort of got to cast someone in terms of their stature and their physicality first. And so it makes sense that you know this isn't... Um, uh, Johnny Depp or Leonardo DiCaprio behind this mask, right? Like this is this is uh, a bi- a big dude who you might not have seen a lot of, but he do- he does the job, uh, really cool.
1: Yeah, this isn't the Men in the Iron Mask. This is the Men in the Skin Mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he joins a long list of people who have played Leatherface. You know, a lot of these slasher franchises, they have different people come in every time to to don whatever mask it is. So um, it's cool that we've got someone new here and people can talk about how they feel about him as Leatherface. I think that's always fun when it comes to these horror franchises. Who's your favorite Jason and who's your favorite this or that? Um, We also have Jacob Lattimore. He plays Dante and... He's a really interesting young actor to me. I've seen him in a couple things and I've loved him in them. He was in the movie Detroit, which was directed by Catherine Bigelow from uh, maybe about five years ago. Um, I really loved that movie. And he's also currently in a TV show called the shy. And I, uh, I've seen a few episodes of that and I picked him out. I was like, this dude is awesome. I would love to see him in other stuff. And so when I heard that he was in Texas Chainsaw as well, I was I was stoked. I think that's a really cool pick. He was also in a Will Smith movie called Collateral Beauty that I've been meaning to see because it just it, it seems wild. Have you guys heard of Collateral Beauty? Yeah, I have. have. Yeah. You I have won't seen see it. it though. You, I have have not you won't seen see it. it. No, <laughs> maybe Will, Sp- Will Smith Will Smith's. I don't have like a moral objection. I just haven't. Yeah, Corey, maybe we can do a movie <laughs> night because from what I've heard, it kind of sounds the Book of Henry S. We should do that. And also, I think it was Serenity
0: is what it's called. Do you yes. guys know anything about that?
2: Oh, I've seen Serenity. <laughs> oh, you have? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, th- that sounds like an amazing triple feature. Those three. Having not seen Collateral Beauty, but having seen the other two, you guys, listeners can tell me if I'm wrong, but those seem similar to me. Um, Another actor here, we've got Moe Dunford. He plays Richter. Um a very Texas man, but he's actually Irish in real life. Um his first credit oh, is fun. in a movie called Patrick's Day, and he plays a character called Patrick. I think that's pretty funny. I wonder um, if, if there's uh Irish actors in here because the original directors were. Yeah, good point. Hey, maybe. Um I also noticed that there's a whole lot of British actors in this movie, and so I wonder. Um. Yeah. Maybe. Also, the movie was shot in Bulgaria, so maybe like they the casting doesn't have to be just American focused, and and they and were able the, to. But there's
0: a Canadian tax credit thing at the end. Wow! In the credits, but well, eh? we're
1: pretty generous with tax credits. <laughs> that did was. You br- uh... Did you
0: bring a single Canadian? <laughs> Here's your tax. Uh,
1: actually, William Hope, the guy who plays the
2: the uh a uh, Canadian. There you go. And Colin Stetson living in Montreal. Maybe he supplied Krispy Kreme for everyone. And that means tax. Do they have Krispy Kreme in Bulgaria? Don't know. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So this dude, he's Irish. He's in Patrick's Day and he plays Patrick. Um, I haven't heard of it, but the poster looks really cool. It's just a man's face screaming. Um, But I kind of want to check this out. It says it's a drama. So it sounds sick. Yeah. he he also started an action thriller from twenty twenty. He got top billing, so he's kind of an action guy. But that, that Patrick's Day movie that he started with was only in twenty fourteen. So uh i kind of have a feeling we're gonna see a lot more of this guy sort of the texas chainsaw movies have a habit of that like matthew mcconaughey and renee zellweger in the next gen and vigo mortensen is in the third one which is called leatherface and so Mm -hmm. maybe maybe this dude is going to be one of them i think a whole lot of these cast members could be that like i I wouldn't be surprised if if any of these people become huge um so another actress in this movie we've got um olwyn fuere And she plays uh, Sally Hardesty, legacy character from the first movie, who was originally played by Marilyn Burns, um, who passed away a few years ago. So she has taken on the role. She has a whole lot of theater on her wiki, like more theater than I've ever seen anyone have in my entire life. There's just a massive section dedicated to theater going back to at least the 80s, if not much farther. Um, Her first film role was actually only in 2011, which is Quite cool to me. Um, and uh, horror fans um, might recognize her from the movie Mandy. She played Mother Marlene in that movie. Um, she was also in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And she's contributed to books about theater and performance. So this is an actor's actor, if, if I've ever read about one. Um, another older actress in this movie here, we've got uh, Alice Krieg. And she plays Ginny or Virginia. Um, That's not a dual role. She they refer to her as as different names at at certain times. Ginny must be a nickname. Um, She is in a 1981 horror movie called Ghost Story. She's also in Stay Alive from 2006, Silent Hill from 2006. She plays Morgan Lafay in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. She's in a Christmas Prince franchise, which we could do on this show. Um, And she is also in a movie we have toyed with doing on the show many times. It just hasn't happened yet. She's in Gretel and Hansel. She plays the witch. Oh, very cool. So, um, that fires me up. We've also got Jessica Elaine playing Catherine. Um, she had a, a, a whole lot of movies credited, but, um, none of that I could pick out, you know, it's like picking your favorite child. How can, how can you pick one? They're all just, they're all just there. You know? Mine's Derek, but your—is that your favorite child or your favorite Jessica Elaine movie? Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. Um, so she's from London. So we got another British actress there. Um, we have William Hope. He plays Sheriff Hathaway. His first role. Imagine this, guys. His first role is in the movie Poltergeist. He plays, according to Wikipedia. Toby. It, Dana's boyfriend, he does not play Toby Hooper, good guess, he plays Dana's boyfriend in Car, and it says that it's a cameo, like, uncredited cameo, Um, which is funny, I mean, I I guess cameo can just mean a small part, but I typically think of a cameo as, like, someone who's established, you know, and then they just show up and you're like, oh, it's that guy, but his first role is a cameo in Poltergeist, that's pretty sick. Then he went on to do, like, Scanners, Aliens, Hellraiser 2. so just amazing first few years for William Hope here. And he's worked steadily since then. He was in like the first Captain America. Um, So yeah, this dude, he's at it. We've also got Joylyn Coy. He plays Deputy, according to the theater. I don't know if if this deputy had a name. Um, Wikipedia missed it if they did. But Joylan Coy has done theater, a bunch of different theater stuff. Also done Beauty and the Beast and the Deep Blue Sea. A nice little shark movie for you guys. Have you guys seen The Deep Blue Sea? No. Yeah, me either. In fact, now I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure Deep Blue Sea might have been directed by F- Fidi Alvarez because it, I'm pretty certain The Deep Blue Sea I'm thinking of does not have a the on it. And so perhaps The Deep Blue Sea is different. Um, <laughs> but you know, they don't pay me to do this, so I, I can't figure it out. They don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam Douglas... To round it out here is Herb. He's British. He plays the <laughs> a, a lawyer in the 1989 Batman movie. So he's been around. What? He's also the cab driver in Eyes Wide Shut. What? And he's American tourist in Valerian, the city of a thousand planets. So him and William Hope, they've just like low key snuck into all these movies Amazing. I mean, maybe not snuck in. He earned that part as cab driver and lawyer. So really cool. And then we also have John Larroquette, who returns as the narrator of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And he also did the narration in the uh, 2003 remake. So he's back at it again at Krispy Kreme, John Larroquette.
1: That's one of the things I love about the show is that we we run into people who are like on the fringes of like or who work like on the fringes of like really interesting productions, you probably see like all this cool stuff, but like aren't really that well known. You know, there's plenty of interesting people that we come across
2: in this show. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think 20 years from now, we're going to be able to all co author just like an amazing academic essay about every actor ever, basically. It's true. <laughs> it's an amazing film school. They made That's the plan. One. Yeah. Sometimes laborious, but. Uh, educational nonetheless and that's it That's, and they did that's, that's everyone one, who made this movie That's all it took it was small, small cast or crew about 10 people Made this movie that's it And with the help of Krispy Kreme of course
0: So Now that we're almost there We're almost ready to talk about this movie I have one more request to make of you Liam
2: Okay Which is could you just give us a quick sense of what this movie's about Yeah sure So this movie takes place in Uh 14th century England um, it's like a kind of a romantic comedy musical sort of sci-fi film um, I love the duel <laughs> and uh, there's also a whole lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacring in this movie so if that's what you're interested in check out this movie this movie is about a group of uh, young people 20-somethings, maybe late teens, they take a trip to a ghost town uh, in Texas called Harlow um, to sort of establish a new community. They've they've bought out all the buildings. They're auctioning them off to a bunch of other young people. Um, and their idea is that they want to start a, uh, some might say a cult. In fact, someone in this movie does say a cult. <laughs> One person does but- say that. You know, but depends on your perspective. They just they're in this ghost town and they're feeling on top of the world. But little do they know (laughs) is that the the leather faced man who committed many murders. Well, sort sort of one string of murders um, in 1974, leaving one woman left alive, Sally Hardesty. That leather faced man is lurking around this ghost town. And he is not happy that they have um, invaded on his territory. He's out for revenge. And uh, Chainsaw Massacring in Texas abounds. And the survivor of that first movie, Sally, um, she is also out for revenge. Well, Leatherface also survived. That's right. Yeah, he did survive. He always does. <laughs> um, so you've sort of you've got these these young kids, you've got this old kid Leatherface, and then you've got this uh, old victim, Sally, and all their paths cross in this ghost town. I hope and, one day I can be described
1: as an old victim. I hope one <laughs> day I can be
2: described as old mate. Just I hate like... to be a young victim.
0: I'm picturing like somebody just walks into town and like Leatherface crosses the street and there's like who's old mate over there who's that fucking guy? what's his deal <laughs> 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 okay so scene is set gentlemen we promised to do one thing before we we really got down and oh, dirty oh yes um, which is we said that we would guess how the other two people felt about the movie that's right um, and uh, i I can go first if we'd like with the Fire guessing. away. Yeah. Liam is so excited. I have to think he likes it. Um and at first my as I watched the movie, ha, had I not had information from Mitch already, I would have assumed he would not have liked it. However, he says that he took a lot of notes and was very like vigorous and also was apparently so fired up he had to start spinning. So, I'm going to go ahead and say that you both like it but Liam definitely Mitch I'm a little less certain
3: about.
1: Uh ah. yeah I, I've very been very deliberately a bit quiet I've especially like on the episode I've tried sometimes I like I just like let you know right off the bat that I I fucking you, hate you it. you do do that sometimes uh yes but I've I've hidden my message anyway I draw a similar conclusion. I think Liam is down with it. I think he's a special I feel like, I'm not sure I'm not sure how you're going to feel about like the cloying modernity and like the jumpy liberals, but I think I th- wow, I sounded like Ben Shapiro when I said jumpy liberals. <laughs> That's Ugh. a good,
2: cool band name. <laughs> anyway, cloying modernity and jumping liberals. <laughs> anyway, cloying
1: modernity and the jumpy liberals. Cloying modernity yeah. and the jumping liberals. Yeah. Um Jumping, (laughs) this movie
2: needed a subtitle. I think you really liked
1: the kills in this movie, because like, yeah. Anyway, and I think Corey, yeah, I think Corey liked it too. And I think like there might be like a few caveats, but I think you liked
2: it. Okay. Um. As for my guesses, I've I've really not been sure, you guys, because Corey told me um a few days ago that all he's seen is like near unanimous negativity about this movie. And so with 3 of us on this podcast, I would have to think that at least you know, someone's got to not like it, but in the way you guys have talked on like our group chats and stuff and again, we we try not to say stuff before the episodes to each other about how we feel, sometimes stuff sneaks through. And on this occasion, not really anything has snuck through from you guys. And very
1: tight, tight-lipped.
2: Very tight. And so, you know what they say about loose lips. I, <laughs> they cause Texas Chainsaw Massacres. And I think it's easier to keep love inside. I think hatred, you've got to spill it out and you've got to let someone know. And so that makes me think... That you guys like this movie, the both of you. So we collectively um, think that we're going three for three. So this movie yeah. that the the internet has been piling on over the last week, of course with with many exceptions, but I think the letterbox average of this is like a two point one, and you'll see the little graph there is highly skewed to the the left the bottom numbers of 5. Those so, fucking liberals again. Just jumpy liberals. That, <laughs> despite Skewing all that. things to the left. <laughs> I think I think the two of you like this movie. I think you guys think it's dumb but you had fun with it. And I'm going to lock okay. in those lyrics. So who's going first? I feel like I've talked so much. I would gladly take a back seat and let one of you go first. All right, Mitch, you're up. I'm up. Okay. Uh, Liam, I'd say you're
1: on the money. I think this movie has a lot going for it. Um, and normally, when movies are like painfully uh, politically self aware in their construction to a degree that's like, like I said, kind of like cloying, I usually turn up my nose at it. And I think that horror is interesting because it's um often like one of the most politicized genres and sometimes it really works and sometimes it doesn't and um like i don't think i didn't find black christmas 2019 to be like a very or yeah 2019 to be a very potent political movie i don't think this one's a very like potent one either um but i i think like it wrestles with those themes in a really interesting way and we can kind of unpack that later when we get more uh, nuanced. I do think it's kind of like a bit much with it, especially when there's like live streaming or like canceling and like a lot of it feels kind of gimmicky or like, let's make Texas Chainsaw for Gen Z and like a lot of that feels like forced, but I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff going on like with like gentrification and like... Um, I guess, like the sort of like the dangers that come with, with, um, I guess like the growing sort of income divide in the US and, uh, with like rural and sort of, um, urban sort of colliding. Uh, and so there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And I think like the setting is really great as well, like this Texan backwater. Uh, that they want to turn into an idealistic haven, and it's riddled with vestiges of Confederate sympathy and iconography from the previous movies. Like it, it there's a lot going for this movie, and I don't think it's as shitty as as everybody um, makes it out to be. I think it's like a, a solid action movie with some awesome effects and uh, some like fair performances.
2: Wow, I guess you would like it, and I'm still surprised. That was the those were great thoughts, Mitch. Thank I'm you. equally surprised that I said the same thing. <laughs> right? Okay, Corey, <laughs> surprise me again in whatever way you see fit. I will. Um, oh, this movie
0: fucking sucks.
3: Oh
2: This movie fucking sucks. Corey, I was about to double down. The way you said I will. I was about to say I sent so much happiness in that voice. I thought you were... Go- I would have bet my life that you I'm were surprised. about to say I loved this movie. I thought wow. that you would
1: have fucking loved this movie. I, I was Whoa. excited
2: to, to,
0: to break expectation. Um, this movie's fucking stupid. Yeah. Um, and that... Well, that doesn't make it good. Like... Um, I, I think that everything that Mitch just said... It is done in a way that feels um stupid and confusing um and i don't know what it is this movie's trying to say because it's also got this weird school shooting subtext not even subtext it's just text it's very directly text that feels completely fucking out of nowhere and it's it's got this weird thing where it's like Halloweening itself with like the introdu- introduction of Sally and none of that shit matters at all. Mm-hmm. And um, it's trying to be you know cool and interesting and about oh it's about trauma and it's about like da da da. And it's just like gun nah, control man, it's, <laughs> and it's about gun control and the big gun control message is the school shooting survivor. Uh, gets over her trauma by using guns like I don't like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. um, and this group of protagonists is like maybe the least likable group of people in the world um, and they don't have to be likable but it it sure helps uh, when at least somebody is uh, nah man uh, the effects are really good um, but
1: this movie's bad <laughs> interesting I I I See what you're saying like I think like a lot of the politics stuff is like half baked and sort of forced.
0: Yeah. When you can't tell if it's parody or not, it doesn't work. N- that's and true. I can't tell. That's and I true. don't think it is. And it makes it really frustrating.
1: Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to say that this is like movie is like an effective political movie and it feels kind of confused there cuz I I I, I it, it does feel confused. Um but I didn't like I didn't like r- respond like like Horribly to it, even though like every second line was like politicized here. Like they, well,
3: I, it's not
0: even that. It's not even that. It's just
1: dumb. It is dumb. Like
0: none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And this isn't like some sort of like logic nitpicking. It's just like a basic like on the grounds of like the way the movie is put together and what it's trying to be about. I have no idea. Like, and and it's very much trying to be about something. Several things but I don't like, think it
1: knows what it's about
0: no and that's sort of what and i i read a few other people say this online but it's something i was alluding to earlier where it's like um i read a good letterboxd review i don't think i wrote it down and that's frustrating me but where it's like why is this uh why is this a texas chainsaw massacre movie um oh josh lewis okay uh, there's no cannibalism, no horrifyingly wacky abusive family, no lo-fi dirty textures, no elemental existential hysteria. All traded in instead for this generically slick, shallow focus indie photography and a whole bunch of lame modern themes that may or may not be including, ironically. Yeah, like I know that the the original movie feels the way it feels because it's like a product of its time in a lot of ways beyond just the filmmaking being good. But this movie feels like it wants to be, but it also wants to be like a cool, edgy, gory, like leatherface movie. And it's like it's kind of the latter. It's not the former at all. It's not making an interesting point. It's very confused yeah, and I think it about feels, what it is
1: it's trying to do. It feels confused, I think, as well as like what it wants how it wants you to feel about like the characters and like the level of like severe violence directed towards them. Like, is this a cautionary tale about like well-meaning liberals, like not thinking and like doing something that like severely like affects people. Is it like, it's hard to, it's hard to say like what it like this, this like force and like what it means. Sorry, what were you, how did you interpret it?
0: I interpreted it as the, what the characters are doing being unequivocally bad. Interesting. but um it doesn't go all the way because then it's like oh we have to make people not want these people to die yeah <laughs> so then it kind of doesn't really anyway we should let liam go mm-hmm.
2: but i wasn't crazy about it but the the gore effects are good <laughs> wow guys we're we're over an hour into this episode and, and it seems like we're gonna have to be just getting started hey eh? this is uh yeah it took yeah it took us like an hour to get to the part where we started so all right i'm happy to be here okay thank you guys for sharing so much um i i basically had three reactions while i was watching this movie that were just on loop the same okay, I just, i'm still
0: assuming a liked it but this could be the big heel turn
1: um if anybody's gonna hate it or like like has skin in the game it's him or skin on his face yeah <laughs> but we all have skin on her face but like whose skin <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> whose skin is it anyway? How many layers? <laughs> is it leathery? Um, yeah. My three reactions while watching this movie were: what, capital letters, what, um, LMAO, capital letters, LMAO. Could you define that's, that for me? quick That's the Gen Z of me. That that's laugh my ass off. Thank you. Um, it's so that's not, just me made
0: another one. <laughs>
2: Let's let's make it's, not, it's not let's make another one <laughs> that'll be our sequel pod though
0: <laughs> where we make a movie
2: yeah um yeah so that's just me cackling in my beanbag in the dark while brianna is <laughs> sleeping in the other room next to me and and then there's uh my other reaction is like a sort of frown where i shrug my where i sort of cock my head but i'm also <laughs> nodding and i might be holding up like the little okay sign with my hands where i'm like oh that was, that was, that was okay. cool, right? <laughs> so those are, the, those are the three reactions um, for most of the movie, and I was very confused how I was how I was feeling. Like, I'd say the first couple minutes, I'm like, "This is kind of exactly what I think it would be." It starts with the John Lyricette um, narration, but it, it's revealed that that narration is of a true crime. Program that is being broadcast about the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre events, and they're being, um, that true crime broadcast is being played in a Texas gro- convenience store. While this, they, sh- they should have got of-
0: Robert Stack to do an unsolved oh, mysteries.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, rest in peace, oh, throat yeah. goat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. If anyone thinks I'm just being disgusting, please listen to, what, the last magnificent obsession. Um, and it turns out that this broadcast is being played in a convenience store, uh, like a gas station, sort of a rural gas station, while these young people are on a road trip through Texas. And so I thought, wow, this is a great way to just throw, throw you right into it. And then, as they were arriving at this ghost town, and yeah, a lot of these, like, sort of um they feel very written lines are happening yeah, about do. like gentrification and influencing and stuff um not in the way that Candyman, the new Candyman, has a lot of lines about gentrification no like, it's not yeah explaining gentrification but it's like showing that this is what's on the movie's mind um mm. really quickly and so that put me off a bit um And I'll fast forward. A whole lot of dumb, really dumb stuff happens in this movie. And it was kind of bumming me out, dude. Um, And then... Yeah. And then (laughs) uh, by the time the movie is over and I've LMAO'd and whatted myself and sort of had my little shrug. um, I thought, Jesus, I need to get someone to watch this movie with me so brianna who was sleeping the entire time i tell her right right when she wakes up i really say really i'm having a brain blaster because i looked at your letterbox and i'm like did he fucking watch this movie twice i did he did i, I watched he this did. movie twice and after that first time i was i was pretty sure how i felt about it um but even if my mind wasn't made up, I knew there was enough crazy stuff in this movie that I that I would love to watch it with someone. Even if I hated it. Um and even if I loved it, I would love to watch it again with someone. And do you would you guys agree with that, that there's just like a lot of crazy stuff in this movie, whether you like it or not? I, I feel like this
1: would be a good movie to watch with your friends, like I don't know. Drinking and shouting at the screen.
0: I, I, I more agree with bitch. I don't think there's that much. There's like, there's
2: and,
1: a lot of shit where I'm like where I was. That's crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah, dude. Like for me, uh, I'll just rattle off some bullet points. Like wrist snap, being stabbed into your body. That was pretty dude, basic. Dude's head being caved in after getting his legs snapped. A lot of movies in have half head caving in. The
1: chainsaw like under the floorboard as she's crawling like like a tap X like Resident Evil moment
2: yeah and then she gets covered in shit um sally speaking in sound bites as she comes to the town (laughs) and then and then monologuing to leatherface and then letting him walk out of the building to the cop car where their teens are say my name Um, and she's not going to take
1: the teens to safety or like secure the perimeter call backup none of that
2: but Um, that's not what is that
0: crazy? I think that is insane. Those yes, I like, do. Like, those are
1: just like, I think that's bad it's writing. It's just
0: stupid. It's just bad. Like, and it's not bad to me in a way that I'm like having a good time. It's just bad. It was bad like,
1: enough to me where I was having a good time. Like, like I thought I had is, fun with it.
0: Really quick, just I know Liam was in the middle of a list and he has to get to Brianna because we still don't know what his conclusions yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. But really quick, just when Sally comes out fucks around and then finds out by way of just getting unceremoniously hilariously chainsaw murdered I, what i sat there and wondered is like why did we do this cuz like if you look at halloween right like the uh, reboot halloween i forget the director's name he's got like David Gordon names. Green thank you but um and like the the bringing back of Laurie Strode and like the the recentralization of the story there i can at least understand you know why that that is interesting to people and why what happened to that character might end up translating to living a life that is very like secluded and closed off and like um, prepping for something mm-hmm. um, like this feeling that it would happen again Um that just to me does not fucking translate here at all. Like I, I have no sense of who Sally is now or why she's doing this or why she would have been waiting or yeah. what any of these things are for. It just
1: build up this exchange. Cause it like feels like it's supposed to happen but because like, it's just like the archetypes way
0: other yeah. leather, leather face, adjacent movies work we've talked about it like he's just sort of a mythical figure that shows up and there's and i think it works works best when there is an intentional disconnect from those things Mm -hmm. and tying it together doesn't make any sense because it's again like at least in halloween it's like a family affair and there's pieces of connective tissue that even if they don't work it's like i get why they're there but this one was just like oh fuck we're making another one of these i don't know what if sally showed up like it, it feels so we're just scraping the bottom of the fucking barrel and then it amounts to like nothing other than a kill that looks kind of funny
1: mm-hmm. it's um, just the one that got away like that's the that's the pretty image much it. is
0: literally the movie getting foisted on its own petard wow. that's the image <laughs> That, that was
2: that was for sure another moment i wanted brianna to see was sally being lifted off the ground above leatherface's head with the chainsaw through her body like oh my gosh um also the bus massacre with neon soaked lighting as he's just like that is meant to be a parallel to a fucking school shooting like oh
0: what the my fuck what, is, are, what are you talking about well, what the it, fuck that me, doesn't make any sense
1: i feel like that like those two comparisons to each other is just like a really bad idea and i think i think like also <laughs> it's it's so bad. like the way in which that that scene is like filmed like with like semi like live streams and like jumping like some of the kills there are pretty fucking sick but like it's just like why is this in our Texas Chance movie like I understand that like this sort of like gentrified like mid century bus that they've turned into like a cocktail lounge is like supposed to be like a symbol of like I don't know like urban excess and like yuppies but like I don't know I just like it just feels out of place it's a bad scene Liam, Bad how did you end up feeling about it in the end?
2: Yeah, let's, let's let him finish. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I will say it. F- before I say that, the very end, where are um, again, spoilers, big time spoilers for everyone, if you've god I think help you, if, you if you've sailed. made it an hour if someone hasn't <laughs> seen this movie there's no way they listened an over an hour in for us to finally start talking about the movie they left a long time ago so devoted fans um the ending scene of this movie where melody gets her head chopped off by the chainsaw and then the movie ends <laughs> i was like i need brianna to see this um i need someone to watch this with me um i thought see i thought that choice sucked it's,
1: i thought it was kind of stupid but, like, shocking, and I was... I didn't really care
0: enough, but... Liam, I feel like we're on opposite sides of the tracks right now. I need to f- understand what your conclusions <laughs> so are. So, what do you think, okay. like,
1: about that kill? Like, what...
0: What do you think about What movie? about it? We can't stop
2: asking him specific questions. I need your <laughs> overall conclusion. Okay. My but... overall conclusion <laughs> is that not only do I love the shit out of this movie, <laughs> I... After watching it twice, I don't think it's bad at all. I think You're this movie crazy. is awesome. <laughs> I think it is very often brilliant, and brilliant. I think I think this is like this is why I'm shocked that you came down so hard on this movie, You're Corey. Crazy. I think this is basically the next generation too.
0: What? This what do you mean?
2: Incredible. Wow. What I do you mean? Love. <laughs> I love this movie. What the um, fuck?
0: I'm I am I am
2: my brain I'm is fucking
1: freaking out. I can't believe this. I mean this is what I I guess you would like <laughs> it, right? But that was a real roller coaster. That was that's so much more than liking it though.
2: And, I, just and said. I and I <laughs> wasn't that story, I'm not hiding that I loved it the entire time. For a lot of that first watch, I was like, "This is kind of like I don't even think I like this. This is like bad and and sometimes boring and drab and uh, pedantic." Man, this is this is this. Is- and and then when all that just a, a slew of wild stuff happens at the end. To me, wild, the decapitation, the Sally thing, just immediately getting murked. And I was like, in such a whirlwind, I was like, what just happened in this movie? And so wh- I watched it again, and watching it the second time was the only time I took notes. The first time, I just let the movie wash over me. And in taking notes, basically, everything that I thought was bad about it I didn't think was bad anymore. It like Did made this movie s-
0: lock you in a room
2: with a gun? With a <laughs> chainsaw, yes. <laughs> so like
1: with Corey uh, and I sort of conclusions about like the I guess the political confusion or like the it's not even just political
0: it's also just thematic it's also
1: just narrative it's the whole thing the whole thing is really just like just like hot button issue hot button issue hot button issue what if if we talked about an issue we
0: we didn't understand at all and put it in a context that didn't make any sense it didn't make any sense
1: we're gonna jump from your diesel truck to your ar-15 like all in like three seconds
0: man how fucked up is it that this guy lives in texas and owns a gun but what if he was good actually think about that
1: like oh my god! Like <laughs> so, where do you where do you fall Shut on the fence up. on the fence with
2: like the I guess political aspirations of this movie, Liam? Sure. So, um, to me, that stuff is like low on the totem pole of of importance to me in this Window movie. Dressing? It is, and so to hear you bring it up at the beginning, Mitch, like that, and I've also seen it online. It was honestly surprising to me because the first time I watched this movie, I came away like basically forgetting all of that stuff. And so when I was like reading online that this is a very political movie and that it's like pro gun or it's like a it's a Republican horror movie. I was seeing some of that. I I I felt like I had like glazed over all of that stuff because I thought the movie was dumb in like it's character choices um, like the sally thing i described but the real critiques that people had it was like i thought that was such a small part of the movie i had forgotten about the school shooting thing by the end of the How? movie cuz it, it's so small but it's like mo- a couple no, flashbacks it's so no, fairly- fucking
0: of the character it's not small
1: i don't know if it's the whole point well it's definitely part of their arc
0: it's it's her whole characterization yeah is isn't it fucked up that she was in a shooting
1: a lot of the politics the whole thing the politics in this movie feel a bit like a monkey kind of like slinging shit at the wall (laughs) of its enclosure just sort of hoping something sticks for Uh, me
0: it felt like It's not that it wasn't there. It was like overbearingly stupid. It is. But like it was it was hyper present. It was not like barely noticeable Uh because it was like every single thing was like what. So the only way gentrification can be bad is if you unintentionally fucking kill somebody. And also, like, oh wow, I can't wait to have Confederate flag discourse with this fucking movie. It's, it's hard like, to it's
1: hard to oh tell like gosh. where it where it's ironic <laughs> and where it isn't. Because you like part of it, like it, all, like I laughed out loud at it, especially the part where they're like liking and sharing like Canva infographics that are like hastily made while they're driving somewhere. They're like, oh, like share this, share this. Like these are my views. Like here's like some meaningless activism, uh, and we're gonna go and gentrify a town and. Throw some people out of their houses, but um, I don't say know. my name. Say my name. <laughs> um, like it, yeah, it doesn't work. But like, I think I think so, to some degree it works to like satire. But it, it if I don't, don't whatever it does work, does works, feels like it works by accident or like I don't know. I'm not sure. I just don't. Th-
0: I don't think any of it works. It's and confusing. I, I and I really do think that there is so much of it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that it's it's really annoying mm-hmm. and it, and it's and it's frustrating that it's it's attempting to draw because like you i don't think you can make the argument that for example like in the most glaring issue of these is the gun control commentary um because it's the one that's the most consistent through line and it's like like you said liam some people are sort of concluding that this is like a republican movie But it's like this movie has no fucking clue what it's trying to say about this. And because of that, it has no idea how to both characterize the protagonist as a victim of that or meaningfully commentate on what it is. Because I think the conclusion that they came to in the end was it would be cool for Leathercase to kill people on a bus. And then somebody had the thought, oh, well, that's a bunch of dead people in one space. What if we brought the school shooting thing back? Like, But the parallel that the movie is making, very specifically, because the flashback at one point is literally on the bus, Mm -hmm. doesn't track with the rest of what's happening and also has nothing to do with the other threads of commentary it's attempting to weave through the rest of the movie just by virtue of these people being like wealthy and unlikable gentrifiers which i mean i guess is interesting on paper but the execution of it is so like ham-fisted and stupid that like it's it makes the viewing of it frustrating because you're slogging through it with these characters you don't want to be with and this dialogue that's written poorly and this message that is muddled if not non-existent Mm. and I don't think there is much in the movie that does enough to compensate for that. Uh, that, that profound
2: filmmaking shortcoming. <laughs> I find, I found myself really being like intrigued and charmed by the fact that the movie didn't seem to have a message. Um, I think that's why I'm kind of a smooth brain guy, so coming away from it the first time... That's not true. (laughs) You're not a smooth brain guy. I would never say that about you. Well, thank you, Corey. But the fact that I didn't, like... I truly didn't clue into a whole lot of the stuff that people seem to be taking away from it as the big stuff after that first time. To me, I would have said that this movie is about some teens going to a town and, like, getting slaughtered. That's basically what the movie is. Um, And... From watching it again, yeah, a whole lot of like stuff is thrown at the wall, but the movie really doesn't resolve any of that stuff. And I think that that's really cool. Like, I just found myself charmed by it. And also, in spending a bit more time with the characters and watching it again, I thought that it all felt very. Natural. I thought that these kids, um, young adults who are like doing this gentrification thing, who might just seem like pawns in a story to to get some, uh, like a uh, present a gentrification idea that you don't then resolve. Um, they didn't feel like that to me. They actually felt like real people um, who would have these ideas of making a better world, and then. Um, they just happen to get slaughtered, and like, um, we don't really get a whole lot of closure. That felt cool to me, the school mm. shooting thing. I think that that is definitely the the most um bothersome part of the movie to me. Um, I thought it was cool at, at the first time I watched it at the beginning because I didn't know how it was gonna factor into the film. Um, I thought this is an interesting. Angle, What are they going to do with this? And after seeing what the movie does and then watching it a second time with that in mind, like the bus massacre, which to me is an amazing horror set piece. I love the bus massacre. Having that in a movie where we're thinking about um, a school shooting and like what it did to this teen girl, not to mention all the people who she says have died and then we are watching this bus massacre where these kids dying are like the, our our source of enjoyment it makes it makes it a bit less fun for me like i'm thinking mm. about oh this this is the movie that has the school shooting in it and now i'm watching these kids get massacred and it's kind of it's kind of well, weird it that it makes name. Yeah, it is kind of weird that it makes it less fun because every horror movie I watch where I'm seeing teens get massacred, it's like I know that school shootings exist and I know that kids and people actually get murdered and like it's terrible. So, um, uh, I should be able to like, I- I'm capable of separating the two, but the fact that this movie, you know, goes out of its way to have school shooting on the mind, and then does this bus massacre thing. I was able to contextualize that the second time around. And that did make me uncomfortable. Yeah, I yeah. think,
0: but I would also argue that some of the discomfort there comes from how poorly it's executed.
1: Mm-hmm. Like it's played for laughs. Like a lot of that, a lot of that scene, well, which some I of think it was, is,
0: but then part of it's not, which is yeah. the fundamental problem, which is that the movie has no fucking idea what it's trying to do.
1: Yeah. I, I, Whoever took this away as being like a Republican movie, I don't know if that's true. I don't know like what this movie guess, really I is. I, I don't do know guns win in the end. I guess I could see somebody drawing <sighs> like, that but conclusion. I don't, but they, but they
2: don't I'm, because the guns saying, don't win. No, no,
0: Leatherface
1: no, I'm
2: just, wins.
0: I'm just saying what somebody might be basing it off of. You let, let me I don't know.
1: Let me just say that I think that this movie would be way better if they just like abandoned like the whole school th- shooting plot because I just don't know if it needs. I don't think it needs it. And it just muddies everything and makes like your the gentrification
0: part interesting. That would yeah. that would probably make the movie better.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think I, th- I think they should they should have just gotten rid of that because I think that if they just focus on the gentrification, I think that that would have been enough for me. Um and, I, and it did work indeed. Like when the when the old woman is killed in the backseat and you're like, oh, fuck, oh yeah, like, I here love comes the reprisal. That like I was looped in. I was dialed in. From like that <laughs> that whole sequence, and I, I was ready for him to like, you know, kick some ass. Yeah, and, um, um, yeah. I think it just gets it. It does buckle under the weight of it. What it wants to say, if it even knows what it wants to say, is it the weight of what it wants to say? I think it's just buckling under the weight of constantly fucking up. No, because I think I think it is. It's under, not under profound. The weight. There's no weight to buckle under. No, I think because I think it literally wants to bite off like li- every. Issue that like we face politically, right? Like it, it's talking about literally everything, but and not really in a meaningful way or in a way that is contradictory. So I think it is, I think it is sort of buckling under under like both sides I think it's buckling under like this the sheer scale of discussions it wants to have. I can't hear you say the word buckling
0: without
2: thinking you're about to say buckler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I would love to talk about the like gentrification stuff in a second. The last thing I'll say about the school shooting thing is I think it is my least favorite part of the movie too. Not just in principle. I still do think it, it is an interesting aspect and I'm not opposed to like putting that real world horror in a horror movie that is not entirely about school shootings like if if the the blocking and the tone of that bus massacre had been more like the tone of the 2003 or the two thousand sixteen texas chainsaw movies which are not played for fun at no. all they're they're very horrific and and feel very realistic and gritty and if if they had done that in this bus scene um i i think it it actually would have given like more credence to what delilah character is going through because school shootings are common enough that like why why can't you have a character who has gone through that in a horror movie that then has to face um another form of evil and overcome it but i think the the tones just clash a bit there because the staging of a lot of those bus kills are just like comedically amazingly ridiculous like Like the 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 dude
1: Like oh fell, yeah,
2: like, get he gets the chainsaw from behind him, this man, and it sort of comes out where his dick would be, and then he g- gets pushed into a woman. That made me laugh really that's hard. Amazing, I love that. But also, um, just
0: don't put it in your fucking school shooting scene.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Sure, just you don't have to do those things show at the a, same time. Show a little discipline and like and like tighten up what you want to do. I, yeah, yeah
2: I, th- I think that aspect does need some tightening. But I think when it comes to the uh, the whole gentrification um stuff i think that this movie kind of i i loved it i thought it kind of nailed it so um where i come from that and then i'd love to hear you guys talk about it is um i really like how the movie um doesn't make it clear at least when you're watching it the first time like who is in the right um and i don't i don't just mean like morally I mean um in terms of the actual facts of the situation I thought for sure when the the teen characters go into this one house that they find is occupied in this supposed ghost town and they find that an old woman lives there um, they tell her you've got to leave we we occupied you know we, we got the deed to this house this is our house and she tells them no I I've signed the papers I've paid it all off this is my house and and these uh, these two teens uh, one of them more so than the other they kind of get like aggressive and condescending with her and um, they like know that they're right and that this is they have the deed to this place and I fully believed that they had the deed to it just because um, I'm bad at predicting movies. And also I figured that uh, that's where the horror would come from, mm-hmm. that they occupied her house. They have the deed and then Leatherface who lives in this house would come for them. And so when it's revealed that she actually had the deed the whole time, I just really like um, how that makes me think like how I assumed the situation was without the knowledge. And I also like the way it makes me the way that the characters then have to deal with it. Like the, our main character, um, melody, she, she discovers this deed and she feels horrible about it. And, um, whereas before that, when she thought they did, that they did have the deed, she was, you know, saying stuff to her, like, uh, you'd be, you, it's not safe for you to live on your own. You'd be much safer in an old folks home, um, which I think is just so sad and like sort of speaks to this idea that like um we got to get the old people out of our way so that we can live. And even if you're a really sympathetic person, like she is kind of making herself out to be, she still wasn't sympathetic enough. And she does the same thing with Lila, where she says something to Lila like, um, you need me here with you. You wouldn't be able to live without me. And then, both of those character moments are resolved, where she apologizes to Leatherface for uh, what they did to her mom, which which led to the, Leatherface's mom's death. Um, and she also says to Lila at some point, you know, right before she's about to sacrifice herself for Lila, she says, "You don't need me. Uh, you never needed me." And I thought that that was really beautiful and really um, compelling and true. I just thought that was a very interesting character conflict to be the source of the action in this movie. What about you guys? What did you think of that whole setup of how Leatherface ends up turning on them? I think th- I think that that whole angle and the whole sort of
1: searching for... Um... The, the lease or i guess like the the documentation on the paper i think a lot of this like a lot of that is kind of ridiculous like if you're going to evict someone from your home from their home like you probably let like the city services deal with it you don't like go in there and try and do it yourself and all, like they do get the police to who do it as well you'd think there'd be some kind of verification but i'm you know
2: overanalyzing it but and 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 maybe that speaks to like their confidence and the fact that they could just they thought they could just walk into this town and own it and then like go into the house where someone lives and kick them out themselves sort of
1: urban arrogance and also and also maybe an arrogance that comes with with youth and with like money right um and with education i think like that's that, that angle and everything is really good and i think um like the the Dante character and the role that he plays in that was sort of like expediting it and by being um, sort of reactionary uh, and like rightfully so I think in a lot of ways but um, it's just sort of that, like that angle is 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 kind of interesting and I think um, yeah like the uh, fuck I forgot what I was going to say I'm looking at my notes <laughs>
2: that's okay uh, da,
1: da, da, da. yeah, I think that uh yeah like the the whole bit with the lease in the house and and like the sudden shock when she actually dies, I think that you know that that all works what about um, you? Corey?
0: I seriously have no idea what you guys are talking about in terms of it, like being effective, like i just I can't meet you there <laughs> um for me, like it's just it's it's the it's the dumbest level of showing why gentrification is bad Um, oh yeah
1: it's pretty surface
0: and but like i but like that's why it's not effective is because it's not interesting and it's not nuanced and i don't think they've put a lot of thought into it and i also think uh just part of what liam said earlier like i think uh Let me try to get this right, because I believe, Liam, you mentioned that there was an element of like not being clear, like who was going to be in the right. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think it was very clear that they were not going to be in the right, because I think the movie is demonizing them from pretty much the immediate beginning that these people suck and they've bought up this town. Never mind the logistics of like who the fuck would come to this town even if they bought everything and like built a bunch of new shit and gentrified it, because they said it's like several hours drive Seven. from like anything. Yeah, like who the fuck is coming here?
1: I think conceptually that's an interesting idea. Like a bunch of idealists who go to rural Texas to try like and and make a better place or a utopia, only to have like Leatherface like be evicted and kill them all. Like that in itself as a high concept is is great. Um, I i just think i think like the execution and like i don't know it tried to do too much in a lot of ways yeah
0: but but for me like them not having the deed is like it just feels dumb because it's like the movie's already made it very clear that these people are doing something bad and they double down with it literally killing her like it can't just be bad on its own. The only way the movie can communicate to the audience that it's bad is that it literally kills somebody. Well, it's
1: a Texas and... Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, it's not exactly going to be like rife with like subtlety and nuance. But, but
0: then or... the movie can't do these things then. <sighs> like, it's trying to. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't trying to. And it just because it's this kind of movie, it doesn't make it less dumb. Mm-hmm right
1: that, that's that's fair i think like, i'm being like deliberately choosy with what i like and what i don't like um and like i'm kind of like editing a perfect movie but and like discarding it, it stuff. just but. wants so much of this
0: part of it to be front and center mm-hmm. that it has to get it right and it's not at all i like i i don't think it's effective commentary on gentrification because i think it's very one note and it's very bland like it's like yeah man we all think gentrification is bad like you're you spoon feeding this version of it that's like hyper evil just to make the point feels dumb and uh that being in competition with the afore discussed school shooting themes And also the brief, like, culture clash between the South and these yuppies themes. Like, it doesn't coalesce into anything that I find particularly interesting, but the movie, to me, feels as if it wants you to find that as interesting as the Leatherface killing stuff, but as, like, the thrust to get those things underway... I just don't think it's there. And then by the time the movie is sort of culminating and, you know, Liam mentioned like a few character moments we have between like melody and Lila. I just, I'm not interested. Like you're giving them these like sweet moments and whatever. And I'm just like, who cares? Like you haven't, the only thing you've done to these characters is put them in a terrifying situation, but at no point have you made me care at all. So, like,
1: by the time we get there, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Um, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I find it... Uh, y- You go ahead, Mitch. I say I find it difficult to get, like, overly attached to anyone in a Texas Chainsaw movie, just on principle. But... but, but it's not that I I'm not saying there's the a reason why you shouldn't. Like, or no, why, no, no, like but all, it all I mean is, like, writing,
0: just... Um, I saw somebody else say this earlier, because I did a little bit of reading after I watched it, but it's one of those things where, like, can't a... A horror movie be allowed to have somebody that I like in it that might die? Can't we have stakes? Can't we have any of this? I, lots like, of them
1: do. Um, right, and not this one this does one, not. Though. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and I, it would make the movie better if at least one of these people,
1: mm-hmm. Liam. Did that. you did you like earnestly care about like any of the the characters? Like I know you said that you found like some of the exchanges, um, like had a nice sentiment, but were you ever like? like really rooting for them or like connecting with them
2: i was yeah so um by the time the the whole deed kerfuffle happens um when they're arguing over who owns the house i i didn't already hate those characters i didn't think that the movie had set up that they sucked i just thought they were uh pretty regular young adults that were like modern and idealistic but i didn't i didn't get the sense that the movie was telling me that they're they're bad i just thought they were like regular um i mean young they, people. they
0: bought a town like that's not something that regular young people are doing they bought up an empty town to gentrify it but i didn't think that that made them bad i just thought yeah. it was like a cool plot point To i think the movie's assessment is that gentrification is bad
1: so it feels that way about the characters. I feel like that opportunity for like a bunch of like Gen Z's to go out and like buy a town is like rife for comic opportunity, especially with like the housing market, the way that it is. And just like, you'll never buy a house. Cause like you, you know, avocado toast. Um, like, I don't know. I feel like that opportunity is sort of like um, missed. Like, I feel like, like this town angle is like, is not, it's not like played up nearly enough or it could be it could be better like you could do a better job um
2: showing what it's like for people of our generation like buying a town i think it's it's such a cool setup just to get to this ghost town i i know that the the movie was like shot during covid so um i don't know how much of this was born from covid and you know they shot it in Bulgaria but they built this town on like a a soundstage Um, and I I just love the setting it reminds me a whole lot of House of Wax 2005 which I would love to show you guys at some point I'd be down Um, I love the original yeah and that movie it just kind of takes place in this creepy ghost town that a few people inhabit Um, and you know it's it's similar to this you follow a group of young people that just end up there and so I thought them wanting to buy this ghost town was just a really cool setup to get, um, to play off the horror trope of young people in an abandoned area. Um, If you're putting them, if you're putting them there by their own volition, it's not the standard, even the standard in a whole lot of horror movies, but even the standard in the Texas chainsaw franchise, where you have a bunch of kids on a road trip and they, uh, end up, um, on the side of the road, going for a walk, stumbling upon Leatherface's creepy house and trying to get help there. They're already out of their element, but Mm -hmm. here I like that. They're going into this kind of dingy, creepy ghost town, but they feel on top of the world. This is where they want to be. Um, I think that's really cool. And the whole deed conversation, um, I, was, I was, didn't have it in my head of like the movie is saying gentrification is bad or good. Even if it was, it just wasn't in my head. I was just thinking of it as this is an interesting argument for these characters to be having. And it is a really cool way to bring Leatherface up from like the you know the the rocking chair he's been in for the last 50 years and and make him mad and now he's gotta avenge his mother and he has also gotta defend this ghost town he's been living in from this invasive species of like all these kids who want to take over his uh town kind of like the feral hogs in texas that the movie references (laughs) i just think it's like a really cool setup um even outside of like the movie is saying the kids deserve to die because they're gentrifying i didn't I, I wasn't thinking of it like that in my head i was actually thinking it was pretty tragic that these kids had this idea and they kind of went about it a bit you know they, they went about it the wrong way and kicked this woman out of her house but i still thought they were good people, um, some more than others because they had like more time to be good. But like, I really like how the character, um, Nyla, she is the first of the teens to die because she decides to get in the police car and drive with the woman as she's, you know, having a heart attack. I really liked that. And, and Melody said first that she was going to go with them. Cause you could tell she really felt bad. Um, I don't think that the the movie just paints the the teens as like awful gentrifiers. Man. I thought it felt very real.
1: That's a really hateful kill when they when he kills Nyla too. Like I was like, holy shit, that's a really angry and like hey, ex- and explicit kill. Like the original one, I you barely see any blood. I mean, the mm-hmm. the doorway kill with uh, Dante is, is like vintage Texas chainsaw with the swinging. The swinging I love door. that swinging um, door. But, uh, yeah, like the, the kills in this feel, feel so hateful. And you, at first, I'm like, I was trying to decipher, like, is it, like, is this, like, what is it directed at? And I spent, like, a lot of the movie thinking about that. And I'm still not entirely sure. Looking cool. <laughs> yeah. And boy, does it. Yeah. Um, really, really quick, um,
0: I. I don't get the impression that them realizing that their actions have consequences and now they feel bad makes them good people because again, their whole intent was, uh, this woman was struggling. They bought her house from the bank and are here to kick her out of it. That is not good. (laughs) The movie is being very explicit in my opinion that that is bad. (laughs) And I, they think are they, I think they
1: know doing a th- bad thing. They know that that's bad and they go about it, I think, in the worst then possible... Then they don't get
0: a get-out-of-jail-free card for deciding that somebody should go in the ambulance.
1: Um, like... But do they deserve to, like... I don't think they deserve to be, like, killed brutally for it.
0: Uh, I mean, like, at a certain point, we're giving way to the conventions of a horror movie. For sure. But in in the thematic sense, like, A, the argument is that gentrification is bad and then narratively... I think they are being painted in a very poor light because again, they just went to a bank and bought a town that people are still in and are just going to reshape it in their own image. And that is having material consequences on the people that live there. And they don't feel bad about it until they show up Mm -hmm. and realize that actions have consequences. Um,
2: like, I don't know. (laughs) And, and even through that reading, like, I think that would make a, that makes a really fun horror movie, because then they just get murked. That sounds awesome to me, too. I, like, but even it's if just, I didn't like them.
0: It's just such an obvious way to go about trying to have a discussion about gentrification. It's so boring, because it's like, yeah, man,
1: we know. I, I thought that there I, I was, just, like. Enough. Don't think it's compelling. I thought that there was enough kills, like done and like well enough, like interspersed between all of this sort of, um, like <laughs> all of this other stuff that, like, I didn't really get bored. And the movie is like so brief that I it was over before I knew it. So for me, like, I I enjoyed what it was. Like, I am I going to watch it again? Probably not. But I don't know the. Um, the I would change a lot about it, but I, it's, it gets a pass from me. Uh, I'd like to say one positive thing, one additional
0: positive thing, because again, um, I do think the kills are mostly pretty good um, as far as like kills and slasher movies go. Uh, there's a point in the bus where it just looks like a guy's leg just kind of flies into the air. He's just, just hucking limbs. He's just hucking limbs. Um and uh the gore effects like the effects team
1: deserves some kind of recognition uh because it's fucking gross the window like by bis- i guess not a bisection or like yeah the- yeah when she gets cut in half on her way out the window that
0: just <laughs> yeah um that was the- awesome one thing that i want to give a specific shout out to that we don't often talk about is color palette uh. um i really like the color palette of outside during the day because it it is the only thing in this movie doing anything to communicate the like heat and grime and destitution of the area and i think it's maybe best communicated after the crash into the field because there's like the contrast of the red of the vehicle and the tractor and there's the imagery of the field and like everything just feels baked into the frame because of yeah. those color choices that I genuinely just think looks good. Like it just does the color choices. It feels very that because you're not getting like grain or like, a like everything does feel very slick. I believe the letterbox excerpt I read uses the word slick, like visually it does feel very kind of commercial in a way that like previous Texas on movies don't. And that's what was communicating that feeling but i do like the color palette communicating that instead um at night or in the rain i think all of that goes out the window and it starts to look very boring but there are moments
1: where it's good i think i th- like you've got interesting light at the during the night scenes like with how you've you've got like your uh your color temperature with your lighting i think that looks interesting especially in relation to like the the light in the bus and like the kind of reflection that it that it casts and uh with like the the light sort of reflecting off of like the wet streets and i i also disagree i think that the interiors um have like a, a great like grime to them and uh i thought that the interiors felt like really like derelict and like creepy Especially, uh, like, the the kitchen with, like, the cleaver just, like, sitting there and those, like, weird hanging pots. And- yeah,
0: but that's just, like, it's every single one of these. And even then, this still felt like the most, for want of a more communicative uh-huh. word, like, clean and
1: Fair. eh of it. I think another, another interesting example of, like, indoor cinematography and color palette and... Uh, like color temperature and the lighting is like the use of the stained glass window at the top of the stairs and how it sort of casts a silhouette over Leatherface I think that's a really excellent sort of character reveal and I, th- that the opportunities that are used with that stained glass window and how they reuse it throughout the movie is, is really good uh, and visually interesting
2: yeah, I, I loved the way the movie looked basically the the entire way through. I really like the lighting, just like Corey and the daylight. Um, and I also like Mitch. L- really love the way the interior looks. Like I I found that Leatherface's house inside with all the shadows and the creaky floorboards. Um, uh, and all the different rooms. I thought that it was really atmospheric, and I. Especially loved a few of the moments where a character has to leave the house, whether it's uh, Dante um, stumbling out with half of his face cut off into the pouring his rain, inferno. which was, which was. <laughs> The, the rain, um, the fact that he had previously gone in there in the daylight and now after his face was slashed and he leaves and it's just dark and pouring rain outside. I loved that. I also loved when Leatherface looks out the window of his house after slashing Dante and sees the people barbecuing and partying down the street. And just this idea of like inside this dingy house, someone has just been murdered. But outside in the daylight, these kids are just partying in the Texas sun. I love that. I loved um, after Leatherface kills um, the uh, the first teen. Um. Also, I don't think uh, really quick, just a quick
0: thing while you're thinking, I don't think most of these people are teens no oh, i know no, they had like... the money to buy a town no definitely yeah. they're all
2: they're all like adults except for um lila but it's just uh, easy yeah. to say that, you know because it's a slash. sure movie. sure sure. yeah i'm not actually like nitpicking
0: you it's just just for clarity's sake like if anybody got here and said fuck the
2: spoilers just to be clear mostly adults mm-hmm. I've, I've called her nyla i think before but her name is ruth i i combined lila and ruth's actress Nell and I called her Nyla but her name's Ruth I love after Ruth is murdered in the dried like dead sunflower field which I think is a great image um, and Leatherface leaves the sunflower field to the road and you can tell that he's you know walking back to go to the town and in the distance there's just all these dark gray storm clouds I love that like talk mm-hmm. about pathetic fallacy i just thought that that was so cool i love the neon lights in the bus i really liked the theater where the the end happens with that big pool of water inside like i thought that that interior felt different than leatherface's house even though they're both just dark and indoors i thought they both felt different and then there were just some images that i thought were just like future classics like iconic like i loved leatherface taking the face off of his mom and then he like holds it up to the sun the way that i would peel glue off my hand in elementary school and and hold the big sheet up that had come off my hand and i was all (laughs) proud of it leatherface does that with a face and he like holds it up to the sun and it kind of looks like um the short story Harold from those scary stories to tell in the dark books about like how Harold, the scarecrow would, would cut off people's faces and scalp them and hold up their scalps. And then there's another shot in the town where he's like standing in this archway and he's all shadowed and it's raining on the street in front of him. And I just thought that the, every, uh, um, really like every, five minutes or something there was a shot where I was mm. just like wow that is sick
1: I think there's also a, a great use of wide-angle lenses but used for like close-ups that are very very jarring that kind of make the movie have like a nightmarish almost like dream quality especially like during the stuff like during the day like the final shot which I think is kind of a bullshit way to end the movie but like oh, the, my god, like the imagery um of that and sort of like the the reactions with like the wide angle, uh, close ups are uh, are like really memorable and kind of like zany and, and surreal. And I think that there is like a like a sort of a surrealist streak throughout the movie that that feels dreamlike and uh, nightmarish. And it's constantly going between like the high contrast like idealist haven to like uh, you know hellish Texas chainsaw shit and. I enjoy that sort of aesthetic um, back and forth.
2: Yeah, that that last scene, Mitch, I was floored the first time around when that did not get revealed to be a dream sequence. I thought for sure it would be. I mean, kind of just maybe it's just like the way they're talking or the fact that I just couldn't believe the movie was going to end like this, but mm-hmm. we've spent so much time in the darkness and now we're in the daylight and it's sort of it seems as idealistic as it was when they got there. So yeah. maybe that's kind of the trick the movie was setting up the entire time, but for for um um uh, melody to be pulled out the window and then be decapitated and the whole time i'm like waiting for the dream reveal to as happen as the car the, drives I've itself been, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of a play on the the first movie with mm. the you know the bat in the back of the pickup truck and i was waiting for the movie to reveal that it was a dream and the fact that it wasn't just killed me i thought that that was amazing i loved that i I thought that was um, that was great, and it kind of tied in with the Sally thing for me, um, which I'll talk about for a second. And if you guys have more to say about it, love to hear it. When so the Sally character is introduced, and right from the beginning, I'm thinking like it's so cheesy, like she. She answers the phone and is told by Herb, the gas station clerk that like Leatherface is back. And then she puts on a Ranger hat. She's still living in Texas and she has long gray hair, very much like Laurie Strode in the new Halloween movies. And um, she gets in the car and then she arrives at the town. She's just speaking in like kind of like dramatic one liners where she's like, I've, it's been 50 years. I've waited for him and, now I'm here to end. Evil dies tonight. Basically, basically. And then she comes face to face with Leatherface. And even though here her lines like are, are a bit cheesily written, I thought the actress was great. And I actually thought that she put enough into the scene that I started to buy it. I, I really liked her. She was like, um, say my name, say my name. She like wanted some acknowledgement that the worst day of her life stuck in his head. And to him, it's just nothing, and he walks by her. I heard some uh, a YouTuber I love called Christian Hannah Horror. He did a podcast about this movie, and and he compared this to a line from the movie Street Fighter, where I guess one character <laughs> says to a villain, like, uh, uh, "Oh no, the, no, the villains, the villain says to a character, says something like, the day that I slaughtered your family was like the worst day of your life,' and to me, it was a Tuesday." Yeah, right? Raul Something Julia like that. says
0: that he's playing M. Bison. It's more or less that. You generally got it right.
2: Yeah, and I I, I think that that's a, a really cool idea just in in terms of like filmmaking. Like what a great line that is. And and um, Christian Hanel Horror compared it to this scene. And I think that's really interesting. It totally rings true. And so the second time I watched this, when Leatherface just walks by her and heads to the car, even though it's not, what i'm expecting and it's a huge instance of like armchair movie watching um like passenger seat driving or whatever where i'm like yo what are you doing you're just letting him walk by but the fact that she's built this up for 50 years in her head and now she's she's probably played this moment out a thousand times how it's gonna go and she confronts the suit and it doesn't go the way she thinks it will i kind of buy that she might just be like in a state of shock for a little bit and let him walk by and then she catches up to him she does like her sally hardesty laugh and she says like do you remember me now you son of a bitch and she says like uh um i'm the one that got away i'm here to make sure you don't and then he immediately gets away it's amazing and it's so cheesy and and i was loving i was like love hating that But what really clinched it for me and made me think that it's absolutely brilliant is when uh, he just takes out the chainsaw and just fucking impales her, gores her and throws her like 20 feet. And uh, she has about like 20 lines in this movie. 18 of them are like really cheesy stuff that feels like it was basically pulled from the Halloween 2018 movies like Evil Dies Tonight the Halloween kills monologue where Laurie Strode is like, he is beyond evil. He's otherworldly and he's connected to me from this. I realize he's not connected to me and he's just evil. And it's like so ridiculous. And so I think that this movie is like taking the piss out of that. Um, this idea of the Laurie Strode character being fixated on this dude and like their arch rivals 50 years in the making and, um, for her to show up and then just immediately get killed. And then the newer characters have to figure out how to do it. And then she still gets her moment where she like th- sh- throw, shoots Leatherface while she's dying and, and gives them the gun. Um, yeah, kind of to- nice to throw her a bone, but I, I just love the like Halloween 2018 shade where she shows up. And I really think that all these lines that seem so cheesy are just, is just an amazing setup for that to be subverted by her getting chainsawed. Mm-hmm. I I love that.
1: To me, her character was reminiscent of Dennis uh, Dennis Hopper's character in Texas Chainsaw Two, the sort yeah. of brooding alcoholic cop who like um, wants to sort of have uh, like a. Almost like a superhero fight with like Leatherface of like two extremes, and they they even like sword fight with the chainsaws i mean like and that they've both like been thinking about this and building up towards it, and it's like kept them up late at night, and this is like their single greatest ambition, right like she's reminiscent of of like that character and the relationship that the two characters like Leatherface and she and she have with each other is like is is a lot like that.
2: Yes. Yeah, totally. I think Brianna uh, said that she was like the Chuck Norris of the Texas Chainsaw franchise. And so for Chuck Norris to then just like immediately die, because what are you going to do? This dude has a massive chainsaw and you're spending all your time talking. I I just, I absolutely loved it. I thought that that was awesome. Um, And the fact that like the, the actress had to be recast. So it's not like we're seeing the original actress come back only only to die. Like um you you have someone new, so it doesn't it, it didn't feel disrespectful to me, especially because she was only in the one movie. Like if you're gonna reboot the Texas Chainsaw franchise basically every installment, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool that we got one where Sally comes back as Lori Strode but then just like immediately dies. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love how Leatherface operates in this movie where like, I think he's just really crafty. I think his kills are absolutely brutal. Um, and I, I like that they gave him a character too. Like when he comes back to his house after his mom dies and it seems like he's looking for melody after killing Dante, but he's really just going to caress his mom's old dress. And then he sees the kids outside and like that gets him mad because he realizes that these people are now in his, in his home and his mom is dead and, and uh, um, that kind of breaks him. And so he smashes the mirror and then we know that it's on. And uh, from there we just get him doing all sorts of like, clever things like running out of shadows with the chainsaw. And there's one scene where he like plants the chainsaw running by itself, um, as a distraction. And then when Lila goes to look at it, he just runs out and tackles her and do a bunch of water. And it's just, I think why I really loved this movie, all things considered is I just think it is like a great fun horror movie with a cool setting. Um, a a setup that um is interesting to me and then once the horror gets rolling it's like rolling the whole time cool kills great suspense sequences like when melody is trying to avoid the creaky floorboards Mm -hmm. um i just think that it's it's so easy to watch and then there's enough weird stuff in it like whether it's thematically or just like in terms of uh the kills that happen or like some of the slow-mo, like when Melody uppercut chainsaws leather face into the water like admittedly that. hilarious oh chins. my gosh such yeah, a weird choice for the movie to make. it's just like so much stuff in here that once it was over i just couldn't stop thinking of it. like i want to watch this movie again right now just because like there to me that that's just how jam-packed this is of like weird shit and that's why i say that this makes me think it's like tech next generation too is because it is so weird and like it's seemingly reflexive on the first movie. Like to me, Leatherface immediately killing Sally reminds me of that scene in the next generation where Renee Zellweger yells at Leatherface and tells him to sit the fuck down. It's just like, I can see why people would be pissed about it. It seems like it's like disrespectful to what the franchise stands for. But to me, it's just so interesting. And, uh, cool and bold and um the next generation also like has some weird stuff going on thematically like the the illuminati thing Corey at the end with the man in black i don't really know what the movie is (laughs) saying like i have ideas but i think when i watch the movie again i'll have different ideas so there's all this weird stuff in that just kind of makes my brain turn and then at the heart of it both movies they're just like really entertaining Cool horror movies with like cool action scenes, cool settings. Um, and they just like they get me pumped in defense
0: of next generation. Um, <laughs> on that level, uh, the Illuminati's not real, right?
1: Says you, bro. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, it's doing weird out there shit that is not meant to even have the potential. To be taken seriously, so you don't. Whereas, like gentrification is real, school shootings are real, racism is real. So
2: is the new world order, bro. Like, (laughs) but remember in Next Generation, how uh, Renee Zellweger's character is being abused by her dad, and then she's got to stand up to the family. Oh, like they actually gave a character arc to somebody. (laughs) Yeah. A concept right (laughs) that sounds
0: like this movie to me no it doesn't (laughs) i I don't know
2: i think i think like both movies take a, a real world thing and then um you could say it's distasteful like the the child abuse stuff in in the next generation but to me it just seems like it's like giving an extra dimension to a character and uh i think it's really cool I'm glad (laughs) and that
0: sounded a bit more dismissive than I meant to like I'm genuinely glad because like everything that I did see about this movie was negative and I do I do largely agree that's not to say there aren't good things in it like I'm not saying it's a complete wash like if somebody wants really cool gore and a few interesting kill scenes like it's here that's all you're looking for it's here but the rest of it for me I just could not get around it there was. I just couldn't do it.
2: Well, I'm not glad, Corey. I <laughs> wish. I wish we could have another Next Generation love together. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't too much else to say about this
1: one. Uh, next, Mitch, you should watch Next Generation. I really who's... should.
2: I, was, uh, I don't know. What are you gonna do, Corey, if Mitch prefers Texas Chainsaw 22 to Next Generation? That's what will you do right. with
0: yourself? That's his
1: right. Uh. Like, I don't know. People are allowed to like stuff. This, like This episode's so long because it's just a big switcheroo of what everyone thought. I, I felt bad because I, I, I was worried that I was going in
0: too hard on something that, like, I know Liam liked a lot, and I didn't want to sound like I was being an asshole.
1: It's okay. <laughs> like, I've, I've been worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, people are allowed to
0: like stuff. I... Uh, I am a bit surprised just because, like I said, I saw almost nothing positive. So I I was glad to hear your thought processes. It's getting like through why. It's getting a lot of like OKs. I did not see a review above a two. Okay. Like, I didn't see anything good at all except for one thing. Like, I think that's going to
2: change, man. I'll point to the bleachers right now. I think people are going to come around on this movie next-generation style. Well, actually, I don't, I don't think many people have caught up to that yeah, yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> People are going to come still, around We're still cutting edge on the next-generation front. The Guardian gave it 3 out of 5. Globe
1: and Mail said... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what it says it is. You have Texas,
2: your chainsaw, and your massacre. <laughs> Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> That's so true. Like that review you referenced a bit earlier, Corey. I think the letterboxed one, where like the dude was saying that it doesn't have anything that the chainsaw movies do, where it was like it doesn't have the family or cannibalism or anything. Um, to me, it has everything it should because it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> And it's a bunch yeah. of like
1: and it's a bunch of like idealistic kids on the road that are like kinda clueless and yeah. I mean that's that is what it
0: is. Agree to well, I mean I can't disagree that a Texas
2: Chainsaw Massacre happened, but um <laughs> Look that how they answer, massacred that, that my boy. That did happen. We'll Might this be mass- the most accurate title of all time? Because even the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for some the, reason... Uh, implies there's only one, and it's this one. It's like the That's one. That's right. And also, it takes too long to get to the point. What is that? Just get rid of that the. This movie, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's it. I want a movie called A
0: Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just one of them. It happens all the time.
2: <laughs> i want a movie called texas chainsaw massacres then we'd be in for right. it
0: oh also i audibly yelled fuck you at the movie when leatherface came on the bus and every person on the bus thought that they had to be the person to take their phone out that felt like such a stupid bit of <laughs> fucking commentary
1: <laughs> uh, look at look at these like hapless gen z and like they're live streaming it and, these,
0: like... uh, these people aren't gen z though they're like late millennials <sighs>
2: It's true. They're, they're like Gen Z
0: is us. Like yeah. there's nobody like well, what us kind of in the gray group? area. Um, uh, well, I I go with I I was under the impression it was 1997 and later, so I've always kind of went with it. But
1: I
2: think it depends who you ask.
0: Generational divides are also dumb. Damn,
2: if but, that's the case, no wonder I love this movie so much. I'm a different generation than you guys. Look at <laughs> I'm me more guys. evolved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Citizen Kane of ge- of <laughs> generations.
2: <laughs> okay um you guys have anything else you want to nope. say on this movie any points no Corey. i would love to hear what we're doing next week then oh mama mia i i, I you know that better not tough. be a hint is it mama mia 2 again <laughs> you could make it happen mitch I, wasn't here. I, I guess there's no
0: reason we couldn't revisit movies there's really only one way i could think that we could really one-up the episode that we just did and it's with the one-two punch. Be. I'm about. I'm about to. Uh, oh, I'm about to provide. One next week, we are being joined by who is ostensibly, as far as we know, our biggest fan. Hmm. Um. He has us right at the top of his charts in terms of podcast listening. He's ride or die for the TMAO boys. He sent us Christmas cards. He sent us Christmas cards. I'm looking at it right now covid has meant that i have not handed the other two out but they are on my desk i'm looking at it um it's time for us to hold ourselves accountable um and have <laughs> and have chaz chaz baby, chaz, baby. he's my yes, beer buddy.
3: Where's my he's
0: our beer beer buddy. buddy. Ch- and um he's cut con- finally coming on the show he's finally coming on wow. Awesome. we need to get chaz's voice we need to meet this man the myth the legend um and i said hey chaz your your pick and he your ended up choice. picking a movie and i i gotta tell you guys i was over the moon mm. he just I did was, this
2: no like no no prodding at all no prodding no this prodding his, at this all. This was his one movie of the
0: at well, least hundreds of movies that are out. He there. gave he gave a couple and mm. then said he was like leaning one way. Interest of transparency, but he was leaning this way. I thought it was great. And then you pushed him into that way
1: he was leaning. Then you pushed him like Leatherface in a movie theater. And I pushed him like Leatherface. he wasn't in a movie theater.
2: <laughs> you, <laughs> him, you uppercut chainsawed him right you into that. Thing. Chainsaw Chaz <laughs> into our
0: fate, which is um. Fellas, it's time to get back in action.
3: Looney Tunes
1: Looney Tunes
0: back in action with Chaz. Nice. I can think of no better way to spend Uh, a Wednesday night. One of
1: my favorite childhood movies. I'm so down.
0: Dude, I haven't seen this movie in so long, but like, A, I remember loving it. B, as a kid who watched NASCAR, I was very excited that Jeff Gordon was there. Um... I can't wait to watch this movie again. I really hope I like it. Um, Yeah, no, this is going to be this is going to be cool. Looney Chaz, tunes, Looney Tunes, back Toons, at back it back again Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Leatherface, back at it again at
2: the Chainsaw Massacre. Brendan Imagine Fraser. Leatherface, back in action. Brendan! Brendan Fraser, Baby! back in action. That'll be nice. That'll be nice. Uh, our remember, first Brendan Fraser movie somehow. Not
1: our last, almost surely. Mm-hmm. Also, Timothy but, uh, Dalton. I just like always remember his role in this movie for some reason. <laughs> also, Yosemite Sam. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that's what's coming up. The hit film from 2003.
2: Can't wait! I'm excited. I'm really yeah, excited. Yeah,
0: me too. Matthew Lillard is there. What? Yeah, he's in this movie. Yeah, oh, Michael Jordan. Well,
1: really? He's in the movie.
2: Holy shit! How many yeah. times has that dude met the Looney Tunes? <laughs> Steve Martin's in it. I know that.
1: You also got like Kevin McCarthy, like kind of like old school B movie actor. Heather Locklear. Yeah. Is in it? It's quite a cast. Yeah.
0: Jeff Gordon again. I just really want to drive that one home cuz cuz he races cars. Um but yeah, so that's what's coming up. I'm very excited. I'm uh, excited too. Everybody get get stoked. Go watch all the Looney Tunes stuff that's ever been made to yeah, prepare. Yeah, you, you got to get prepped. <laughs> you got to know your lore. Um I think the big thing that they missed out on was they should have brought back one of the one of the dead Looney Tunes. Um and like made one of the, the canceled ones. About, made the movie about trauma. I just think that they missed that opportunity. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you ask me for my fucking plug. Maybe they will. <laughs> All right, Mitch, what do you got? <laughs> no, you said you wanted me to ask, and I'm asking. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Is that the sound of a revving chainsaw? Is it the sound of a Dr. Pepper can? Probably, probably, probably. more an accurate guess. Okay. Evil
1: dies tonight.
2: Okay, we gotta get out of here. This is—it's been two and a half hours. Liam, what do you got? <laughs> uh, my film writing alter egos on Letterboxd and what do I normally say? Twitter. You can find me at Graham the Mallow. Uh,
0: yeah, that's right. That is what you usually say. Um. You can find me on Twitter and letterbox that Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other podcast that I do, MK PodQuest, where I go with our friend Neil through a whole bunch of like Mortal Kombat ephemera. Right now we're doing episode commentaries for Mortal Kombat Conquest, MKpodquest.com. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. Damn, you guys got a website? We have a unique email address, which is the coolest thing that we have. Uh, you can email the boys at mkpodquest.com.
2: i'm here on mkpodquest.com more souls for daddy that's true
0: yeah we got
2: a whole ass website a blog we're doing shit all right i changed my plug my plug is go to (laughs) mkpodquest.com looks like (laughs) there's a lot to keep you occupied
0: lots of lots of shows there lots of content if you're into that sort of thing um, if you're into more of our show, you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. Though to level with you, that has not been updated in like at least a year. Um, you can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everywhere else. Is They Made Another One? You can reach us via email here at TMAOPodcast at gmail.com. No new, no unique email address yet. With recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and whether or not you would verbally bully the first person you saw at a gas station for no particular reason. Our Whoa. fantastic thumbnail is done Get by Jay you.
1: Yeah. You could have waited until you got in the car to say that. Would you bully the first person at a gas station you see with a gun? No, because they have a
0: gun.
2: The melody's got no fear, bro.
0: She has lots of fear. We see it a lot.
1: We see it like
0: in the <laughs> end,
2: as it like her life seeps from her as she. Anyway,
0: is okay, we got. It. We got. We her. have to. We Bye. have
1: to end this. Uh,
0: our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find it on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Uh, with all that out of the way, we will catch you here next week with Chaz, baby, baby. 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 For Looney Tunes back in action, baby. This is such a good choice. Um, They made another one.